Hey, Spit and Chicklets listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 424 of Spit and Chicklets, presented by Pink Whitney from our friends at New Amsterdam Vodka here in the Barstool Sports Podcast family. How's it going, everyone? Hope you enjoyed the weekend. A lot of pucks, a lot of football, whatever else tickles your fancy. We're going to see what the boys are up to. But first, we want to let you know that uh, G's not going to be with us today. Unfortunately, he had a death in the family. So we want to extend our sympathies to G and his family for their loss. He'll be back with us next week. So we'll go to Biz first to say hello and see how his weekend was. What's up, buddy? Condolences to to Mr. Grinnell and, and the whole yep. family. That's always tough to go through. This one hit him hard, folks. Uh, someone very, very close to him. So we're all thinking of him. Uh, let's dedicate the pod to Grinelli. Let's fucking bring the energy for him, man. He's yep. a he's a huge, huge component into this whole thing. And I don't think any as, as many people who listen know what he does behind the scenes in order to help this machine run. So shout out to G. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it was a pretty relaxing weekend, RA. Um, really holding to on my New Year's resolutions as far as getting in shape, getting the mind and body right, Ryan. You know what I mean? That's good for you. I mean, th- this seems to be kind of a back and forth thing for you, but maybe just early in January, we're going to crush the next what do you mean? Minimum. What do you mean uh, by back and forth thing well i feel like you you kind of get really into it but then with travel and stuff it maybe disappears a little bit then you get really back into it again and you go on your whole foods crunchy hikes and you just feel good <laughs> i'm on the whole foods kick right now buddy i'm eating clean i'm shitting like three times a day uh ghost doing wipes? A lot. what ghost wipes what do you oh, mean by ghost wipes Oh, I just when just you just give that one. Oh, yeah, it's like, you, like it's I'm like good. yogurt at this this point. Yeah, I, I usually give it the courtesy. Look at the. Hey, didn't you tell me recently that you were a front wiper? Was at that one when we point, were in- at one point <laughs> at a young age, I was wiping in the wrong direction, and I remember like a teammate like back in the day was like, "What the fuck?" Is it towards your ball bag? I was like, "Oh man, is this bad?" <laughs> I blame my parents. <laughs> Actually, speaking of that, Ryder Ryder's now wiping his own ass. What a gong show! He's like, I oh, did it, and God. it's just like a turd on his thumb. I'm like, oh my oh, god, my we have, god. We have... <laughs> holy shit! Oh no, nice shit talk right off the just here, shit boys. all over the place, all over. <laughs> this the went Christians. from nice hikes, workouts, and eating clean and healthy to just shit on your thumb. But did go right know? ahead, Biz. No, no, it's good, man. I mean, we got to talk about this stuff. It's good to be, you know, shitting and wiping the right way. So you ha- did you have to teach him? Did did he naturally? Yeah, just no, we're, t- we're teaching him. We're teaching him. So he's still going front side. No, he's going towards the back. He's going towards the lower back, which is the you, correct route. You, you correct him. That's yeah, just exactly. as important as, you know, teaching him the wind up on the clap bomb when he gets on the ice. Right. Get, get, getting his edges. I, how some to would argue cut. more important, more important. I would say let's put it more important. But as far as I'm concerned, uh, just a, a great recharge weekend, ready nice. to come in this, come into this one, had a great time at TNT last week. Fuck that. We have some uh, wacky interviews. We had Drew Doughty saying the word Bukaki and laughing like a child on national television. Uh, but uh, good, good, good to go. Just actually before I hopped on here, uh, 90 minutes, I lasted on hold. I battled through it. They had the same song playing the whole time, oh. which 
as you know, at first, it's usually this generic, awful track, but by the you know hour mark, you're kind of vibing with. Oh, you're dropping type. bars to it by the end. Oh. <laughs> you are Why just companies... spitting hot fire on top of that awful tune. As a company, if you know somebody's going to be on hold a long time, I suppose that they would think, well, having something playing, you know you're on hold and you know the call hasn't dropped. But for me, it's like, just have it be silent and maybe every like three or four minutes have something be said. So that you don't have to have it on speakerphone and you can be doing things without listening to I this know, absolute but then, fire trash. But then jam. an hour, an hour in, are are you testing the bars out? You're not. Like like this one was like a Oh, see, that sucks. Like, give me some I know, but you gotta figure it out. You throw that at J. Cole, he's dropping it. Could you give me a little something to it? Like, I'm not in the musical sense of mind yet. Come back to me later. Okay. All right. You, you got something for us? Uh, musically, no. I, I, I can't fucking carry a garbage bag, let alone a tune. But uh, I was thank God the... you can shoot hoops. Oh, we got to get to that shortly. <laughs> we got to get to that shortly. Wait, wait. wait. Wit... Before we introduce Wit, longest you've ever waited on hold, both of you. Oh, I had um, a long one once. Um, I don't remember what it was for. I, I, it was probably 90 minutes to two hours, though. Yeah, I'd say probably an hour and a half. Was it with Spirit Air? <laughs> oh, dude. I'll <laughs> go into back. Spirit Air. All right, I'm, I'm sending it back to you. It's time to hear from the old Wit Dog. Yeah, Ryan, da, 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 the Wit Dog. Whitney, how was your weekend, buddy? It was phenomenal. I had a great weekend. Um, like I mentioned at the end of the last pod, I was leaving. Um, you know, we recorded Monday night, Tuesday morning. I had that 5.30 a.m. flight on Spirit. Oh. Now, people came at me like, why, why would you take Spirit, take a later flight? I addressed on the last podcast, it was to get down there earlier. It was either a JetBlue that landed at 11.40, and you miss the whole, you know, possibly nine Front to nine thirty to noon, maybe one, two o'clock of golf, or you just battle the elements, you battle spirit, and you deal with getting there and getting down and getting more holes in, right? It's like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I flew home Thursday night. So five thirty flight. All right. I set my alarm for three ten. I live really, really close to the airport with no traffic. Like I'll leave I'll leave it that time and it'll take me twelve minutes. And um so I ended up getting, I hopped in the shower, I get into the car and I got to Logan. I walked in to, you know, where you check in at the desks at 340. Okay. That's an hour and 50 minutes before the flight. I see this long line, a long line. I'm like, no, but there was a bunch of different airlines there. I'm like, I don't know if this is spirit. Sure as shit. I look around the corner. It's spirit with one person working. <laughs> one person. <laughs> And I said, like, oh, you guys all waiting to check bags? They're like, yup. So I just walk into the end of the line. I'm like, what the fuck did I do to myself? What are you thinking? So I stand there. I realized within 10 minutes, there is zero chance I'm getting <laughs> on this flight because I, 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 you had to, you have to have your bags checked. It's 45 minutes before the departure time. So there was just no chance. There was one person working. Now, mind you, this is a flight to Orlando. I, had, I saw two families, man, that got there. The guy told me they got there at 320, going to Disney World. People saving up their life savings to go to that trash-ass park because you know they're not rocking the VIP. Dude, they didn't, they didn't get on the flight, man, these poor pricks. It's not even business. These poor people save all their money. They got their little kids. They didn't even get on the flight. 
So I walked up after about 10, 15 minutes and I realized I'm like, I think I'm fucked. I walked up and walked in front and I was like, excuse me. I was like, is there any like area for like a first class or anything? I mean, I knew the answer, but I didn't know. He's like, what? Like he looked at me like the kid looked at R.A. when he was shooting foul shots. Like it was just like, what? You and okay? I, I, I said, hey, you I all like, right? I was like, and at this point, I was like, I just want to get me and my buddy, one arm bandit, Captain Action. We wanted to just get on the off the flight. I said, uh, can I, uh, can I give you like a hundred bucks to just check us in now? He's like, absolutely not. I was like, okay, that was a, that was a good try, and I had to get on JetBlue app, and luckily there was two seats left for the whatever it was, the eight forty to to Orlando. Oh wow! So, so you lucked I mean, out. Yeah, so I ended up getting down there. We didn't get to the course um, till around like one, one thirty. But we got twenty-two holes in that day at Interlock and beautiful golf course in Orlando. We got forty-five holes the next day at Isleworth, and then we got forty holes the next day at Interlock. And so, still got one hundred and seven holes um, in three days. This very successful trip. I want to say that the action started and thank you to my buddy, Tim Bush, Duxbury, Massachusetts native. He quietly dropped on me that he won the state championship in hockey his senior year and had five points in the state title game at the fleet center. So I didn't even know he played hockey. The guy was a gamer, five point state title game. I mean, that's glory days, Bruce Springsteen type shit. Shout out to him for setting it off. He's a member at Interlock and the action started off at around a $200 Nassau. Um, the last four holes were being played for, I think, 10,000. So it, it was, you know, Captain Action and I ended up coming out on top with just an amazing final four holes victory, just running the table when it really counts in the dark before our flight home on wow. JetBlue. Spirit Airlines, by the way, I mean, it's like an airline that you see somebody take their shoes and socks off and open a can of Canada Dry with their toes. It's just a fucking cage match. I feel so sorry for the families who didn't make their flight to Orlando for Disney World. I feel so sorry for anyone who has to fly that trash regularly. I mean, it's just a joke, an absolute disgrace. And I'm not going to go on an airport rant, but um, it was an awesome time. It was, it was a bunch of golf. We, we got one of those three day stretches where it was like 74 without a cloud in the sky and no wind. Just beautiful time. And then I came home and had a great weekend rider at hockey Saturday, Sunday, watch football. Um, so, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm excited to talk. Well, just be happy. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was on your plane, man. Fucking what an asshole. Everybody else. What an and and for everyone who doesn't know what Odell Beckham did, I mean, maybe one of the most entitled, arrogant, selfish, dickhead, piece of shit, loser, scumbag moves, forced an entire plane to deplane and caused a two hour delay. Because he wouldn't just listen to the flight attendants and put his goddamn pants on. Like, no, I think it so. I think it was the he was, he was, he was wrecked, right? I, yeah, he, he he was partying all weekend or like a you know two three day heater. How you do it? G got in the seat, reclined it, didn't have the seatbelt on, and I think he like basically passed out. I don't know if he was ignoring the people when he was getting like moved to put his seatbelt on, and or he was just genuinely passed out because he would, had been drinking and partying. So finally, he gets woken up by the cops, and and he's like, "What the heck's going on?" That's kind of where the but like you said, he oh, that's he, the I, disconnect I, in terms of like he didn't do anything that rude. That's what people are trying no, to say, kind of. No, I think that uh, he was kind of like, well, I was passed out. And like, why is it just cops? Where are the ambulance kind of thing? Like, like if you, you know, I was passed out, that's kind of what he was going with. And then, uh, but then the whole making everybody deboard thing, I think was kind of just him being perplexed that he was getting kicked off because he was just passed out and he didn't hear the lady t tell him to put the seatbelt on. And at the end of the day, it's like, dude, like, 
it's like fuck the guy's passed out just fucking whatever like like, is that going to prevent the plane from taking off like is that going to really okay so the clip i saw where i was really like this guy's just a a dickhead oh when he was chirping the old yeah he's like i'm gonna be flying private home you fat ass it's like buddy like why aren't you flying (laughs) private to begin with then enjoy your charcuterie board or something (laughs) enjoy your fruit plate Yeah, Enjoy no, I, your I, uh, six Cheez-Its from I'll say when you see when you see these videos now is like you just don't know the whole story. So then like the minute you try to like have an opinion, it's like, oh, but that, that didn't happen. It's like, oh, fuck. I, I, I generally don't care that much. Right. Um, All right. What, what was your take on it? All right. Yeah, you always that's a good point. Paul. you always got to look for the full video because you don't know what might have happened right before or right after, especially in any video. But yeah, he just was acting like an entitled asshole. When, when you're going to fuck up 200 other people's plans, when you can just get off the plane yourself. That's just an asshole move, no matter what. Yes. People are working, traveling, family. They might be going to see dying relatives, anything like that. It's just a fucking asshole move that everybody had to get off the plane. So, yes. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Can I tell you two quick funny stories I heard down at um in Orlando? So the kid I mentioned, Bushy, we're walking into a restaurant Tuesday night, and he sees a guy he knows, older gentleman. Just briefly met him, but they stayed out, and they were talking. He came, and I was like, who's that? He's like, oh, he lives down here. And uh, a buddy of mine, good friends with Bush, he's a local guy, Rob Oppenheim. He's played on the PGA Tour and the Corn Ferry Tour last 15 years. Great golfer. Actually, a couple years. I think one year he got his card by like three bucks. And one year he didn't get his PGA Tour card by three bucks. Back when they used to do it by earnings. That's how you'd get your card based on like the top 125 earning money. So like a crazy grinding career, but an awesome guy. So Bushy's talking to this older gentleman. He comes in. He goes, dude, I got some two funny stories about that guy. Um, Doesn't even play golf. Doesn't know anything about golf. And Oppenheim ended up bringing him out to caddy for him. I believe it was on the corn Ferry tour, whatever it used to be called. And so uh, he's, he's got this guy looping and like the first story I heard, he's dragging ass, right? Like Oppenheim after like 10 holes, 11 holes, it's hot out. He's like, Hey bud, can you, can you pick it up a little? He's like, I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, dude, I would walk up to my ball. I'd get my number. I'd get, I'd get the wind. I'd know exactly what club I'd want. And I'd turn around. This guy'd be 50 yards behind me. And after four or five, six holes of this, I'm like, Hey bud, I need a little more. He goes, I'm giving you all I got. He's like, bud, what do you mean? Like, just hurry up. Like I, I need a little bit more. He's like, you fucking, he says, he goes, you fucking took me to Whole Foods this morning. You gave me a goddamn kale smoothie at 9 a.m. It's three o'clock right now. This is all I fucking got, bud. I ain't moving any quicker. So a professional golfer here is he's like, all right, I get, I guess, I guess I respect that. The other one he told me was he says he's on the 72nd hole. So the last hole of the tournament, the last hole of the fourth round. And I don't know what it was, but he decided to ask this guy a question. He's like, what do you think the wind's doing? And I guess the guy just looks at him in disgust. You fucking kidding me, Rob? He's like, what? He goes, 71 and a half fucking holes. 71 and a half holes. You haven't asked me one goddamn question. And on the last approach shot of the tournament, you're asking me what I think the wind's doing? I don't know. It's a little in off the right, for fuck's sake. Hit the ball. <laughs> I so this guy is just a comedian. Just, he caddied for him the whole weekend. Yeah, I guess he's like brought him caddy. He doesn't play golf. He doesn't know golf, but he's a good guy. And he brings I him around. I thought you meant like one round where I know, I'm holy I know. fuck. But I was laughing at that stuff. I love hearing a good golf story. But um, we can move on. We can you move tip on. a guy like that oh, when oh. that situation? Sorry, well, I think caddies end up making 
a certain percentage of what you make. And then if guys win, they make like a higher percentage. So I'm sure he pays him the the, the normal percentage of what a caddy would make based on the earnings. Gotcha. Here's what we're going to say, buddy. Oh, no, I was uh, I was just going to ask, should we talk football? I didn't really watch any of the games. The only play I saw was the Ravens uh, with their last chance to try to tie it against Cincinnati. And, and they fell short. Why wasn't Lamar Jackson playing? He hasn't played in a little while. He's got a bad knee. You know, there were reports like he could play. Now, he has he's a free agent and he's going to get a monster contract. And apparently, like, I don't know the ins and outs. I'm sure there's some Ravens fans possibly listening or like, you know what you're talking about. But basically, he's considered or he considers that he's getting lowballed. And I don't know if he's going to end up going to free agency and signing with somebody else. But that coupled with this injury, uh, he couldn't go. And I guess like there was a player on the Ravens who mentioned he has been like limping around. Like it wasn't like some people said, I think he's fine enough to be playing, but he doesn't want to play. But right. if you if you remember Robert Griffin, the third, who was a freak athlete, unbelievable beginning of his career, he ended up playing in a playoff game on the old disgusting turf of where the, the Redskins or the whatever their name is now used to play. Right. And he, and he busted his knee and was never the same. So you kind of understand like, all right, well, if I'm getting lowballed by them and, and I can't go, I'm not going to go. So I, I actually thought the, the Bengals were going to blow them out. I watched the whole weekend of football. The, the Jaguars, uh, what a comeback. But I mean, that's Staley, the coach of the Chargers. How does he still have a job right now? I read, I read a thing that he they're up 27 Cobb biz 27 point lead. They ran the ball seven times in the second half. Like, I don't know, maybe try to run them down and, and wear away the clock in the second half. And it was the third biggest comeback in, in playoff NFL playoff history, I believe. Yes, it was. It was the third biggest. And uh, just to go back to Lamar real quick, uh, biz. I don't know if you saw Sean Payton on the pregame show. He said he he heard that he's all done in Baltimore. He's not going to play there again because a lot of guys thought he could have played with it. Everyone's hurt that time of year. But, you know, the other side is he hasn't signed his $100 million contract yet. He hasn't got yeah. that big payday. So, I mean, I don't know, man. Was he protecting himself or was he not being a gamer? Who's to know? But uh, Bostool Banks, I'm not sure if you read him with. He's uh, He covers the Ravens for Bostool Sports. Does a terrific job on it. And I guess he's been like a you know, kind of a nuisance behind the scenes, but the Baltimore media has kind of kept it hush hush up, up until now. So yeah, it, it's, it's, what are you playing for? You play to win and you got an opportunity here and, and you're not taking it. So uh, you got to think he's got to must've lost some of those guys in that locker room. No, no clue. I know nothing. I, I haven't been following football, but I did hear the most thing we talked about was uh, you, you talked about the Jaguars comeback. Was it Al Michaels? And who's the other guy where like, apparently it was a lifeless broadcast as if though it was just like a, a, an exhibition game being played before the season. They kicked a field goal to win the game in the third biggest comeback in the history of the NFL playoffs. And let's play the let's play the call. Here we go for the win. Got it. But there's a flag down. There's a flag down as everybody's running out onto the field. But there's a penalty marker. And they call it on the defense. It was like an extra point in the second quarter of the third game of the season. Now, Tony Dungy, I would say one of the most boring personalities in the history of being on television. I mean, this guy just brings absolutely nothing to the table. Just a total bore. Al Michaels, one of the greats of all time. Yes. The 1980 80 Miracle on Ice. 
But I mean, who knows if he has no desire? He already dogged that he had to do all the or he did the Amazon games this year. They're all trash games. And then maybe he doesn't like NBC. They got rid of him. But that was like it was like listening to a preseason game. Pathetic. It, it was so bad, man. Like you said, it's a playoff NFL playoff game. No, no animation, no nothing. And Dungy's always boring. I don't know how fucking Michaels drew the short straw to be with him, but didn't ruin the game because it was an awesome game. But did you see this wager? Someone put uh, we're not oh. going to mention the outfit they put in. Someone bet. $1.4 million to make $11,200 when uh, the Chargers are up 27 nothing. Like, that has to be one of the stupidest wages I've ever heard in my life. Oh, my God. Are the you dumbest? No already. way. No way. It, it, he dumb, uh, is, it's so dumb that I almost think it was, like, made up, that it's fake. Like, it's just because there's no there's no reason it's what is what is what is eleven thousand of one point four million? Is it even a percent? Is it even one percent of the bet? I can't. I, I refuse to believe this story. That's what and I, we think. Need to I move actually on. think it's we, fake. We cannot be talking about this on the podcast because this is a fake story that did not happen. It, I was skeptical too because of who initially uh, tweeted it out, but ESPN verified it. I'm like, again, we're not going to mention the name of the competitor. It was ESPN looked into it. It was hundred percent legit. Like it wasn't a fake screenshot, and that Dork Ravel tweeted it out. He's fucking goofball, but it was legit, dude. Stupid, like exactly what one point four mil to win eleven thousand dollars. Just you deserve to lose on that. That's Every time you ever. mention Ravel's name, you throw a shot. Would I ever oh, love I, to I, see? I, I, I do. Would I, would I? That's fair. And I don't I, you know, I'm kind of indifferent because like an all time loser is an all time loser. All right. I'll jump on your your bandwagon. You and him in a fucking boxing match. R.A. would be that would be a rough and rowdy. Would it would he fight in that? Has he ever been asked to fight in that? Uh, I don't know if he's been asked. I don't know if he will either. And that's that comes with high risk for me, because if I win big deal, you beat up Darren Rovell. Then if you lose, it's like, ha, you lost the fight to Darren. Well, Rovell. Fucking get training, bro. Let's go. I mean, um, I kind of want to punch. No, he's him. Got, he get hit in the bank. He. He's got a basketball camp that he oh, runs. Oh shit! So he's, okay, he's too busy. <laughs> hey, by the way, already that I saw. Um, if the guy had bet eleven grand, I think on them to come back and win, or no, if he bet the one point four million on the Jags to win, he would have won like thirty eight million or whatever it was at one point. And, yeah, and just, I'm kind of like spitballing numbers here, but it, it, you know what I'm saying. It just still maybe to this he, day. Maybe he threw it in the wrong way. Maybe that's what he was trying to do. Not when you're betting one point four million. Wrong way no, doesn't well, factor. I I took a well. I, I mean, he's I, stupid I enough a, to take those odds. So maybe he's stupid enough to fucking hit the pipe and have a few cocktails and, and bet the wrong bet. I uh I got him plus nine hundred when they were down twenty seven seven, and I, I I put a grand on it, one nine grand on that one. Uh, so how about that clock management by that the Ravens down the stretch? I mean. Atrocious. I think we're, I think we're done on the football okay. talk. I All think right, we should probably probably I'll, fucking move it along here, but I'll, we're not going to move along without talking about no. this vlog that came out in which you were shooting hoops. Is that what I was doing? <laughs> well, I don't know. Shoot yeah. crack. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here for it. I'm taking my lumps. No, 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 no. I just there's one thing, and and everyone listen to Chicklets game notes. Ra went on uh, I, a great episode. I listened this back week past week. I think they hit their 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 bet of the month again. Um, but Ra went on and kind of defended himself, and a lot of talk about the ball being wet. Where where I've been, I've been talking to different people, and a wet ball, yeah, that can affect things. It doesn't affect the form though, and the form <laughs> being that there's just no arc on your shots, bud. Oh yeah, there's I'm no arc. Not defending the form. It's funny. I actually never saw myself on video shooting a, a basketball before. Because why would I? I played JV and freshman in high school. I didn't play really beyond that. So I, I knew I had an ugly did shot you, to did actually you watch see it. anybody else do it. 
<laughs> Huge Celts fan. But yeah, I, I look back at my, you know, what? I was never actually taught how to shoot a basketball. I don't think it would have mattered either way. Um, what happened with, obviously we saw, we saw, it was hilarious. I, I saw the video first. It, I cracked myself up. I'm like, I, I wasn't going to be a pussy. I'm like, Oh, don't put it out there. Funny's funny, man. I'm like, I'll take the lumps. If that's the worst thing I have out in the internet, I'll take it. Some bad, bad comment section I've seen in a long time. Uh, they were absolutely on fire. So I took that first one. Right. And it was like, Ugh. like, I, I kind of like did the old stretch, like drive my hands off. I said, let me move up to the free throw line. And the same thing happened. I was like, all right, it's not like arm strength, the ball. It's, and again, people would say, oh, it's an excuse, but it was raining. There were puddles there. My hand was wet. The ball's wet. So every time I shot it, whether it was from 10 feet, 8 feet, 30 feet, <laughs> it was just a dud right off the fingertips. Shut I mean, the fuck no, up. No, right, but that's the thing. Why don't you throw it then higher? And it's like, it's not right. Physics. It's Did not you not right take physics? Kid. Like, what about your sciences? Fuck Jim. Did you take science? I did. At the high school, right, we were in front of, yeah, years ago. Uh, and I don't, I mean, you could say it's excuse, make it up, whatever. Listen, I, I wasn't a great ball player. I make sure I never tell athletic lies because things come back to haunt you. I've always said the only things I've been decent at, street hockey goalie and skiing on the slopes, like like actual ski slopes. And so basketball, yeah, I never claimed to be good at it, but I did play JV, I, and I told the story. No, you didn't. Yes, I there's not a chance. No, you didn't. What's I, JV? I Junior varsity? Junior what grade yeah. is that? Uh depending on how good you are. I was a junior when I played JV. I played freshman year. And listen, I don't like I'm a lot of weird things. I don't fucking lie. I don't make up athletic <laughs> stories. I told I need to see Chicklet game Stokes. tape. I need to see a fucking yearbook. I need to see a give me a, a, a show me a fucking tank top. I don't even have a fucking yearbook. Show me the shorts that you wore. I need I, to see something, some form of evidence that you played JV basketball. Um, I don't know. Maybe Michael Murphy came from the North End Old Pal. I don't know if he listens or not. Get he him on the pod somewhere. Get him. Hey, call him up. I just <laughs> one name I, that would verify. What's I mean, up, it isn't it isn't fair that the kid gave you a medicine ball to throw, which is. <laughs> but on Chicklet's game notes, it was like there was a lot of like any of you guys. It would have you all would have looked the same, and I was like, maybe any four year old that did it would have looked the same, but. There's just no way in my mind, if I'm airballing short, airballing short, airballing short on the fourth throw, I'm like, I'm firing this thing over the fucking hoop before I leave this one short. I kept shooting like I shoot. I wasn't going to like fucking football toss it because, you know, I wasn't going to score that way. I, as I kept missing, I was just getting more into it. It's like with well, the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. The same result. <laughs> it was just like I'm going to hit one. It was just like like a dream. Like every time it was coming off, it was just it would just fucking come off my fingers. Unbelievable. The way it did. Um, but I'll I, say, all right, yeah. that, that can't distract us from the fact that you were the star of the Boston behind the scenes vlog. Great job, Pasha. Great job, uh, Grinelli. Great job, uh, uh, Sean Apuzo, uh, Elliot Fish, uh, and then McQuaid. So a lot of thank yous from behind the scenes of guys who capture all this stuff. And the fact that you got on the ice and that was another scene too so that's kind of a nugget you need to go watch the vlog i don't know if we put the clip out online yet but just how you were able to stay up with the way that you were moving your body like you looked like a worm yeah that that was a bad call too uh i haven't been on skates in years i don't think they've been shopping in years right as i was lacing up like this ain't good man and, and like i don't want to break a leg or fucking get a conky for content i'm a fucking middle-aged guy i'd be stupid i did like one lap and i'm like i'm done man like goes like i i got you one clip posh i goes i'm not like breaking something while we're doing this and yeah. one other quick thing i i was on what game notes the other day i did tell a story and this is very verifiable I actually did hit a game one and three. And you know what BMBL is with the city neighborhood league, uh, Boston basketball, Boston neighborhood. Basketball yeah, the video league. game. Nah, no, no. Legit. 19 under. We were losing by two to the best team in the league. Not a playoff game. 
I passed unintentionally. My buddy thought I was my other buddy who looked like passed it to me by accident, tossed it up on that dude. Like legit. I, there were 30 people there who can verify the story. So it's not like every three pointer I shot was an air ball. I actually did have one moment of glory back in the day. I don't lie. People thought I was bullshitting. I wouldn't lie about a story like that, but yeah. Oh my God. It was awful. It was hilarious. Did you throw it underhand? Uh, no, 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 no. Well, Chamberlain style. No, I didn't do that. But I thought because it overshadowed some of the other parts, too. I mean, I get it. It was it was hilarious. But I was hoping Pasha included more of my driving from in Boston because I when you like ripped a, through a that asshole. stop sign. Yeah. And I was like, I must be new. Like they were all laughing. Like, I legit I, I'm like, I, I never even seen that one before. But uh, it was fun to take the boys out and show them how much of an asshole I drive like in the city. But yeah, I, I thought the video was great. I mean, I don't know if it went, quote unquote, viral. I don't know what the stats uh, considered viral, but it took me all this time to do it on the internet, and it happened to be my terrible basketball. Well, you're famous, player. buddy. Before we go any further, I need to talk to you about Pink Whitney, New Amsterdam's own Pink Whitney. My name, the 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 best drink maybe of all time. Am I biased? Yes. You can chirp me. I don't care. Pink Whitney is my namesake. And I think people have, have come and grown accustomed to seeing the birdie juice. And realizing on the golf course, it's just a it's a perfect mixture to have a wonderful day. And as as golf season up in the northeast begins to end, people may may they may forget about it. Nope. Nope. Because in the winter, you go to your local bar, you, you have a shot of Pink Whitney. It warms it up. It tastes good going down. It's not some. It's not some rough and tumble disaster in your throat. In your mouth. It's just, it's birdie juice. Winter, summer, fall, spring. So please go to your local bar, have a shot, and enjoy a, a, a hell of a night. So, hey, if you haven't seen that out and you guys are wondering what we're talking about, go to the Spit and Chicklets YouTube channel. Uh, that's been gaining some steam lately with all the sandbaggers. That's where we keep all of our videos for you old guys. What do you call the, the old guy who probably doesn't have any, any form of social media? Up in Manitoba or something last podcast. Was it you, Whit? What did I say? Carl? Carl in his trailer or something like yeah. that? I don't yeah, remember. Something like that. Anyway. But check yeah. it out on our Spit and Chicklets YouTube channel. And uh, that was the Boston behind the scenes vlog. And RA, I think it's time maybe we talk a little hockey. Absolutely. And plus, uh, Biz, I think it's on about 9,000 other sites who have started using me as a meme in the meantime since then. So whatever. I'll oh, take fri- Friday the- years or something. Oh. It's like when, when you. You try yeah. to shoot your shot with your crush. Oh, my God. Oh, no, they used it. That is one of the best Instagram pages going. Yeah. Friday beers. Funny stuff. Ned. All oh, right. You're the new Salt Bay. God. <laughs> he, he got canceled after that episode with uh, who was the soccer player? Messi that he yeah. tried to try to play Tommy sticks with and he was pigeon tossing him. To uh, let's talk some up. hockey, though, buddy. Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned the TNT doubleheader this week, Biz. Uh, I don't know if it was a tough night for the rest of the panel, but when you put Hank Lundquist up with the rest of you guys, it doesn't help you at all. He was Buddy, great the on night it. after that he was hanging out at MSG with uh, the guy from Succession. I don't know his name. Yeah, you're yeah. you're going to know, Ari. You know every star's name. And then Ryan Reynolds, and they both fucking gave him a kiss on the cheek. Like, talking about being the coolest guy in the world. And he's like, he, he gets like, um, he's the ambassador of MSG. So anytime they have a concert there, like Lundquist is just strolling in, man. He is a fucking missile launcher. And we had two unreal uh, – we had a great goalie matchup in the first game. So it was it's always awesome getting that goalie insight and getting in the mind of a goalie because that's one thing that we don't have on the panel, right? So um, it was great having him, R.A. I'll let you go more into detail about the games. Alexander Skarsgård, uh, that was the Swedish actor that kissed them. Well, they both What is he them. in? 
Succession. Uh, he's in Succession now. He was in that. Um, what is that he? Vampire what role show. is he in Succession? I, he came on last season. He was one of like the late additions, in, I think season three. He's not one of the main oh. the main players, but he's yeah, got I a role on it. He, it he was on that uh, Vampire show on um, HBO. Was a True Blood a few years back. He's been in a b- bunch of things. I mean, he a hundred percent like is trying to have intercourse with Henry. Yeah, he shoved his tongue down his down his ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gave him a little yep. wax cleaning. Biz, you got a, a couple of nice interviews with some guys of personality. Mitch Mana, come on. Uh, what do you say? You look juicy. You feel juicy. What's that like? The the new word that you guys know the words the kids are using. Juicy. What's that like? Just looking stylish. Like look. Good, yeah, it's good yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 the cool kid word. You know, uh, like the what's another one that the kids use right now? Wit. Mid. Yeah, mid's mid's a popular word. So I think it was post game that we did that interview. He was nice enough to join us before the game because uh, I think we put in the ass for him or Matthews. We probably would have got one before and then a different one after. But Matthews was out of the lineup. He was banged up. I think he was a little under the weather too. Uh, Mitchie was nice enough to when he did the walk in. Uh, he had like a fucking Pablo Escobar suit on. Did you see what he was wearing? Like a straight up red suit, dropped a few buttons down. He had the gold chain fucking guy. He looked juicy and he said it in the post game. We were asking him what, the, what about the attire and what the dress code is there? And he says they let us rip. So he had a great game. Uh, he was what on a fucking 17 game home point streak. And he ended up obviously scoring the 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 winner late in the game on the power what a pass play. That was, dude. Oh my god, Nylander is just fucking buzzing. I think he's got one year left on his deal, so you know he's going to end up taking him to the cleaners. Let's hope that cap gets. Remember, bumped he had up. to fight for that deal too. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, he that 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 one ended up surpassing expectations for sure. But uh, buddy, the the I guess do, do you want to go into the interviews? I know we talked about Daddy before. Let's go more into that game. It was the Nashville Predators and the Toronto Maple Leafs with Matthews out of lineup. Buddy, Nashville's been struggling. They just I like yeah. their lineup. I like their team. They battled hard. UC Saros, he's back on track. They just can't get any type of offense. And you knew it was going to be a low scoring game. And buddy, the Leafs. The reason I say they look so different and they're like they're just they they've changed their attitude. With they can play they can play the two one games. They don't cheat the offensive side of the puck. They're not allowing goals like they were last year. And even with Matthews out of lineup, they find a way to get it done. And fucking Murray was stellar. Stood on his head. Bunch of ten bell saves. And uh, like I mentioned, a, a couple fun breakdowns on the broadcast from Lundquist, just talking about positioning and and what goaltending. Yeah, like how Saros, buddy. I didn't re- I didn't realize he's the shortest goalie in the league now at five eleven. The three other shortest go- goalies are six one. That's how fucking crazy the position's becoming, where it's all guys who are 6'4", 6'5". They take up the whole net, and mechanically, they're just dialed in, and their skating's good. So he's, you know, he's at 5'11". He's got to really be aggressive and 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 stay at the top of his crease. Uh, not a lot of guessing, where, you know, if you go down too soon, there's a lot of room up top if you're that short, where some of these tall guys, when they're on their knees in a butterfly position – you like you you have to have a far angle to be able to get it upstairs just because they're so fucking tall and with the way that some of the gear is so we talked about how important boxes box outs were where like i said i really like their team and how they played defensively they have a pretty good decor with with yossi they picked up mcdonough and a few other guys back door uh what am i thinking of ekholm well yeah he's been there um and remember they could have traded him i don't know if it was last year or the year before and then they ended up re-signing him but you just knew guys weren't going to be able to do what they did last year. You know what I mean? 
Remember when like we talked about like the numbers like Duchesne put up and like Granlin had 65 points, I think. And it's just, you know, wasn't able it, 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 Yossi. I, what was Yossi? 95 points. It was just one of those things that it was kind of bound to come back to the is it the mean RA? Regression to the mean. Yeah. So it's like they have a goalie like that and they're still where they are. It's it's just probably not a playoff team this year. Now, every time we say something like this, teams go on complete years. <laughs> That's an open. I mean, yeah, I called the Rangers mid. They're year. like 14 and two since I said it. Since the helmet toss from Truba. Yeah. But as far as Nashville's concerned, not only that, but I feel like their younger guys as well haven't taken that next step. And the regression of, uh, I'm drawing a blank here, the guy who had a killer rookie year last year, 24 goals, Tanner Janot. Yeah. So he's just been a bit snake bitten this year where, you know, he's still playing hard. He still gets in scraps. He's, he lets his presence be known physically and he's not a one dimensional guy, but hell three man, goals. he goes for three goals. He had 24 tucks last year. So he's, he's been, uh, he's been struggling offensively and a few of their younger guys who people thought were going to come in and, and, and tear things up. They just haven't gotten that secondary scoring. So well, Biz, one what? of them, one of them leading into the year, Eli Tolvanen, they put on waivers and he, he's lighting it up with Seattle. It's, yeah. I think he and has more goals than 10 guys on the Predators. Yeah. So it's one of those things where like, oh, is it, is it, is it, is, was it the kid and we didn't think he had it? Or do we look now and say maybe our system didn't fit into his game? And maybe even this is a little smoke and mirrors in terms of the quick start in Seattle, but it's hard to argue what the kid's done in eight games with the Kraken as opposed to just being let go for nothing as a young player with a hell of a shot from Nashville who can't score goals. Whoopsie. The old yeah, Ily, whoopsie. Ily Tovin and uh, five goals, two assists in eight games so far with Seattle, who we will get to in a minute. Uh, but back to the Wednesday night stuff. Yeah, the Leafs won two to one, beat the Preds. The nightcap, the Kings beat San Jose four to three. Uh, Biz, you guys talked to Drew Doughty after a little bit. That one, I don't know if it went off the rails, but it was kind of maybe teetering on. But but it was great TV. It was absolutely hysterical. You guys going back and forth. He won't do the pre games. He only does the post games for that reason. He's a silly bastard, like one of the funnier guys in the league. Guys love him in that locker room, but I don't think he trusts himself pregame but uh yeah i somebody sprayed him in the face while we were interviewing him i don't know we didn't even ask who did it but i just said oh you're getting the you know the water bottle bukkake celebration that's the leaf celebration and then you know, of course he, he he had a chuckle at that but uh it was great to talk to him buddy do you want to talk about this king's team right now absolutely and how, and how look? I, the 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 funniest part of the interview is you explaining what ra brought up about bukkake yes. actually originating with water and like it is yeah. And then the best part was the best part was like Liam McHugh's like, ah, and then like Doughty saying Bukaki laughing. And then all of a sudden it's like Lundquist is like, so defensively, uh, you guys are working on <laughs> he like Lundquist is like, get me out of this conversation with fucking Bissonette with his shirt unbuttoned to his belly button. And I'm talking about Bukaki's to a future Hall of Famer. Uh Doughty's interview before we go to the Kings. I think current players. I think he's my number one wish list like, oh, for an interview. And I almost think I'd, I don't even want to talk to him till he's done playing. Right. But just you could tell like that guy, funny bastard. Everyone who's ever told me anything about about him just says he's hilarious, doesn't give a shit. No. And when it's all said and done and he's in the Hall of Fame with his cups and gold medals, I imagine that interview, if we're able to get it, will be an all timer. Yeah, Before absolutely. we move to L.A., though, uh, are you going to pump the Leafs tires of their play with like what do you anything anything about Mitchie Marner? Uh, I actually I actually tweeted out that, um, well, the Bruins beat him. 
in a hell of a game, dude. One of the best regular season games I've watched this year. I've long said that the Leafs, yeah, the Leafs, they look awesome, dude. I, I said it last year. It's all about the playoffs. It doesn't really matter until then. I know that's kind of um, a lazy way out for me, but it's a really, really good team. I'll say this. It, it, it is worrisome watching Morgan Riley play. Um, what a what a player overall. But this year, I mean, I know he was injured. It's, it's been a struggle. He hasn't scored a goal. This is a guy who had close to 80 points a few years ago. Um, and, and Saturday night in Boston just didn't didn't look great. But the Leafs are, are, are a hell of a team. And I mentioned after the game, I said on, on Twitter, if and it's a big if the Leafs are able to get by Tampa in the first round. It's going to be one of the all-time greatest seven-game series against the Bruins. I think it would go seven. I think it would be a knock them out, drag them out, knock them down, drag them in, whatever the saying is, series where Toronto and Boston, when they play each other, have oh, great, man. great bouts. So I, I don't know if they're going to be able to get by Tampa. Tampa's like just behind them now. I have a monster monster wager on Tampa right now in Seattle. They're up one nothing. So if I scream in the middle of the pod, I apologize. But it's amazing to know that we already have that first round set up and it's a fucking rematch of last year, baby. And that home ice is going to I know it didn't matter last year, considering that Tampa got the win on the road in game seven. But that's going to be yeah. the best first round matchup that we're looking at again, I believe. I don't think there's going to be any disappointments as far as matchups in the East. Oh, there's it's going to be nuts. It's I gonna can't be a, wait. It's going to be a bloodbath. And last thing I'll say about the Leafs, man, the fact that Matthews has been pay- playing banged up all season, still fucking scoring on a tear, you know, night in and night, night out, bringing it, man. He's been a fucking horse for that squad. And like, that's a next step too. We talk about them evolving their defensive game and being able to win those two, one games. Hey buddy, you're not always going to be a hundred percent and fucking to see a guy, you know, of that caliber battling through it and still getting the production done with all the attention he gets out there is with fucking losers clawing and grabbing at him and probably not even getting penalties called. Because he never gets any fucking calls. Who I'm would proud you of rather? That guy. I'm proud of the Leafs, and they're fucking rolling right now, man. This team is different. Who would you rather have, uh, Marner or Pasta? Ooh, I mean, oh. buddy, fucking. I I would probably go to. I just like the fact that Pasta's got the goal scoring ability. Yeah, he's got it's it all, just, man. He's just a thinking of two two superstar right wingers. Hey, it's just I, I don't know. Combo. I don't mean to hop over though. I hear that they're getting close, Boston and in Pasta's camp. Are you hearing I heard that those, already? I heard those rumors as well. I yeah, mean, they're slowly chugging along, but I don't think anything is imminent. Certainly, right. This what point. what the, the people like like and quickly back to the NFL: Daniel Jones, Aaron Judge, David Postrock, like these guys that do it at a level like this in the free agent years. It's like the mental strength to do that. And I know that sounds like kind of stupid, or maybe it sounds ridiculous, but. There are thoughts and 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 ideas you have in your mind of what you're going to sign for. And it adds this level of anxiety. Like, I have to perform this year. Like, yeah, all three of those guys, maybe Daniel Jones is a different example because he's just popping off right now. But Judge and Pasta are going to get monster deals no matter how their years went. But to then do this when you need to, when it's the most important time of your life, it's like that is just such mental strength and believing in yourself and your abilities. It's so impressive because no matter what anyone says, when it's a UFA year or any free agency year, it's just usually you're grabbing it a little bit tighter and pastors as great as he's ever been right now. Yeah. And sometimes it can go South. I don't oh, know. It you, can go you, real bad, dude. What, what are some of the biggest like stories ever for, in that regard? 
in, in, well, in any sport. We're talking to, we're talking to Tyson Barry today, and, and you know, he he goes into how his UFA year he's in Toronto and him and Babs, he'll go into it when the interview starts, but really tough start, right? It's it's all yeah. about the start in a sense. And if you can get going and, and the way the Bruins have started in pasta in particular. I mean, would anyone be surprised if he takes down the Rock of Richard? Last thing on Toronto, you mentioned Matthew's been battling injury. The team finally came out and said um, that he's been going going through something. I mean, he's still going to get over 40 this year. Yeah. He's still going to be in that 90 to 100 point range. So who even knows how bad the injury is? But what a player. Yeah. Uh, oh. Now it's time to pump the uh, the the L.A. Kings tires, right, R.A.? Yeah. One last thing. I, I shout out to uh, Wayne Simmons and uh, Nick Foligno oh. for that epic brawl the other night. Two veterans just fucking squaring up. It made that game even better, but you'll have to see a couple old guys with that. And RA at the end of the fight, you'll see just two guys with so much yep. respect for one another. The, yeah. You know, you're trying to legitimately knock this guy out. You're trying to, I mean, it sounds bad. You're trying to end his career. You're in a fight in your mind. I'm trying to kill this guy. And then at the end, great job, bud. Great job. Not saying that they ever would want that to happen, but when, when Simmons throws the final left that barely <laughs> missed him, that would have knocked him out. Like, it's still like, hey, great fight, bud. Like, that's the stuff that makes hockey so special to me. And 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 those fights will always be spirited and always be loved by the fans. Sorry to say it, guys. Sorry to say it, you nerds. Yeah, I'd love to see that mutual respect there. But finally, Biz, getting to the Kings. Uh, will Farrell shared a moment with the guy who was a big reason for the oh Kings' recent God. success, Phoenix Copley, out of North Pole, Alaska. Uh, he's one of the few goalies who seemingly come out of nowhere this year to save a team season. I mean, we see what Marty Jones is doing in Seattle. We'll get to him shortly. I mean, the Kings come into the season spending almost $11 million on John Quick and Cal Peterson. But little subpar play opened the door for the 30-year-old undrafted Phoenix Copley. He's come in, and he's run with his chance. 12-2 and two with a 2.59 goals against, 9.04 save percentage. Uh, before Saturday, he had started five straight starts, 12 out of 14. And this is a guy, he had two one-game stints with St. Louis, a couple cups of coffee at Washington. And he's been, like I said, keeping the, the Kings afloat right now. It's, it's an awesome story. Uh, the offense is getting it done. They got a lot of varied, varied scoring biz, but... Is this team going to make a move at the deadline? They only got 1.2 in cap space. They might be able to put, um, uh, what's his name on IR? I'll, put, I'll look that up in a sec. Put someone on long-term IR for extra money. But what can they get when they're almost at the cap now business? So quick movies? answer, and we're, we're going to go through the whole squad here. Uh, yes, they need to make a deadline move. They need to make a splash. They have a great prospects pool. They have a window on Doughty and Kopitar that is closing. And the West is is very winnable this year. And the competition in the Pacific is not very strong. Anyone can win to, the West. Basically. Anybody can win the West. And it's nowhere near the strength of the East. Like if you come out of the West, you might go do so it's like smoked. unscathed. And or, or or the East is so gassed from fucking battling through each other. You never know, right? Because it's going to be a gong show. Going into the season, I was bullish on the Kings. I thought that they were going to get better. Obviously, the Fiala signing one year older for all these younger prospects they have in their lineup making contributions. And they did so last year. Uh, the overall defensive mindset and the fact that they had this good one-two punch in net in which we thought that Peterson was going to, I thought he was going to run with it. I thought he was going to probably play, you know, 60 to 65 games quick was going to pass off the torch and everything was going to run smoothly. That wasn't the case. And earlier in the year, I think we talked about it when they were really struggling before this run that Copley's been on, they were playing solid. It, it was basically all coming down to goaltending and they called this kid up and he's been on this magical run and Quick being in the a leader in that locker room, like he he wasn't going to be the guy to get sent down, and Peterson was supposed to be the guy, and I think that they pretty much knew that they're going to be safe sending him down. So obviously the goaltending has changed. 
But since that he's came in net, the defense has stepped up their game. And they're such a good structured team where they play so at a five-man unit. It, you can't just reward the D-men and the forwards. But I will say this is an extremely underrated decor. And in this defense we talk about, since the stre- stretch that Copley's been on, they've allowed the, the least amount of high-danger scoring chances per game in that stretch at like 4.4. So obviously a big component to why they're getting, you know, solid goaltending is because the overall defense of the team has elevated. Looking at that back end, they got two puck moving defensemen. They got Doughty and they got that Dursey kid. Dursey's so nice. Really, he's nice. He's a, he's a, it's a great one, two of the offensive defensemen. Not one of them really has to carry the load where I kind of saw that when we had all of Reckman Larson and Yans in, in Phoenix, where it was like this one, a one B where like one could play the top of the power play. The other guy could play the top of the power play. Didn't matter. And they got some good solid, you know, guys back there. That's where I think that they need to make a move is go maybe get a top four. I'm not saying Chickren's the answer. I'm saying they either need to do that and old or bolster the third line center position. Now moving to their offense, RA, and you touched on it, probably the top to bottom, the deepest, at least the top nine deepest offensive offensive team in the West, even better than Vegas. I think even better than Dallas. Do they have that maybe high end talent that, that Dallas has? No, but go go through their forwards. Fiala's having another fucking year on them. A huge free agent signing. Probably the best forward free agent signing of, of the offseason. It's looking like. They got Kopitar and, and Deneau down the middle. If they can solidify that third line center position, because it looks like by field, they got him on the wing with those guys. And he's Which producing. Which is fine for a young guy. I don't hate that. Keep him on the wing as long as he's producing. Like there's so many intangibles that go to being a centerman, responsibility defensively. Let him flourish on the wing. And I think he was playing with Kopitar and Kempe. Fucking that kid can move. So that's your first line. Then you got like Dano, Fiala, you got Arvidsson, you got Kaliev. Uh, that Moore guy is awesome. Uh, I'm, I, and I'm drawing a blank on a couple other names here. Gabe Velardi, who's fucking awesome, and he's even taken a little bit of a, a, another step since last year. So you look at their top nine, and you're like, fuck, man, there's no real weak spots. So if you can go out and get that third-line position, uh, third-line center position solidified, only issue, like most teams, I think they got $1.2 million in cap space. So either way, though, even if it does stay the same, I think that that this team could potentially win the West. I see them as a threat, especially if the goaltending stays the same. And they even got a few of those guys I just mentioned in the top nine that are injured right now, but it doesn't matter. They keep winning because they're so fucking deep and they're getting the defensive play. So I love them. They, they, nobody's really been talking about them. They've flown under the radar and they deserve Blakey and staff. And uh, I'm drawing a blank on their coach who coached in uh, San Jose. Todd Todd McClellan. Hey, Biz. And we mentioned Nashville and their struggles. Man, you give up Victor Arvidsson for two draft picks. What a water bug gamer that guy is. He's making yep. like 4.2 or 4.5. Yep. Like that, that, that right there is like, oh, I know Nashville, they're trying to get, you know, retool some, some prospects and get some picks, but fuck, would they like to have him in the lineup right now? Him and he's playing well. And, and you know, like you said, he's an undersized guy, but he plays above his weight. And then uh, Aya Fallow, too. So they just have all these guys the who are they, are they are they point a game guys? No. 
but they're all in that 30 point range where they don't really need to rely on that one guy night in and night out. So just a very, very well-balanced team who's committed to playing team defense, and now they're getting goaltending. Look out Western Conference. I've, I've said since R.A. And, and, and I were on his couch with, before you joined the pod, Kopitar is he's yeah. the Patrice Bergeron of out West, yep. and the fact that him and Doughty are there and have those two cups, like the true two leaders of that team, it, it is a team that when you get into the playoffs, I, I could see a run. Now, can, so, can Copley can continue this? I don't know. But it's not an easy team to play against. And the Devils had a great win in L.A. the other night. I thought L.A. would get them there. It's 5-2. I think Hughes had another two or three points. That's a $3,000 check I've basically already written to Pasha. I don't know what his cap hit is. I would imagine it's pretty low. And I was thinking about this before the pod. Who could they go to make a splash but who has a low cap hit? With a team who probably is interested in prospects and more than likely a few picks. Uh, that Andre Kuzmenko from Vancouver. Now, they might not trade him because they're stubborn and they still think they have a winner this year. I don't know what the fuck's going on in Vancouver, but if I'm them, I'm sell, 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 and think of what you can get as a return for that guy because he's not restricted. He came over from the KHL. He's at a, close to a point a game. He's not making much, all right? If you could pull up his salary maybe, or or, or if, I don't know if, if you can, wait, I'll, I, can I can do it when yeah. I'm done Imagine talking Imagine if here. they somehow worked a way to get Horvat. Right, but it's just like the cap situation. And that's no, why I, I said know. like, like, like Quickie's making $6 million, and I know that's a lot for a backup unless he somehow becomes a starter again. But he's one of the he's he's the, part of the leadership group in that locker room. Like they ain't moving around from him. So who's making is 1.8. They can make that work, man. It'd be crazy to move him. I mean, we'll get into he, Vancouver later. The most disgraceful yeah. organization in fucking NA, in the in National Hockey League right now. What okay. they're doing to Brucey Boy. But do you like the idea of filling in, uh, getting another top nine guy who's close to a point of game where it's just all of a sudden you have all these weapons in the West and you got that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm playing uh, Monday quarterback or armchair quarterback. What's the saying? Maybe both of them are. Yeah, but I can dream. Both. I can dream too. It's just they just got to make the money work because obviously with that tight against the cap like that. But the other uh, side of Copley playing this well, uh, it gives a lot of rest to John Quick. And I know he's been struggling. He's thirty six years old, but don't count him out, man. I know never, goalies, never. They, they got enough rest coming to the playoffs. They can lock it in. And uh, it's you know maybe a, a little silver lining the fact that they lost Peterson, but the way Copley's holding the fourth down. You know, don't count out Quint. Okay. The Western, it's it's almost the West Coast version of the last dance. We're seeing it with Boston right now. Now we get the West Coast version. Although we know Kopitar and Dowdy are going to be back. But maybe it's Quicks. Maybe he's got one last run in those legs. We, we got to stay in the Pacific and talk about this friggin' cracking wagon. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's ironic that I'm about to just hump these tires full of air while also having a monster bet against them. The only reason I did that is coming off this insane road trip. One of the greatest road trips in NHL history. I just think it's so hard coming back West and playing against a great Tampa team. That's why I have Tampa regulation money line minus one and a half, but still let's go into Seattle. Uh, yeah. Another goalie brought in uh, to back up Martin Jones. They brought him after Chris Dreja. I think he tore his ACL at the world championships. He was there ostensibly to back up Grubauer, but Grubauer struggled. They end up putting Jones in. They just come back from a road trip. First team in NHL history to sweep a seven-game road trip 
which I can't believe that's never happened before. They've won eight straight in total. Uh, Jones has started 28 games. He's been lights out in January so far. 7-0 and with the 186 goals against 926 save percentage. Two shutouts, including one against Boston the other night, gave them their first regular season loss of the year. Uh, this is a great story, man. I love these old goalies. They kind of get taken off the heap, used, uh, you know, I think they're going to be a backup or even a number three, and he's carrying these guys to the playoffs. Now, looking down a little bit further, though, you know, the Kraken, their power play is not too good. Shorthandedness, not too good. You wonder if they're built to last, but what do you, uh, what do you got on Kraken here with Dog? I saw him, I saw him come into the garden and put a beating on the Bruins. Now, it was the same exact instance in, in Boston coming back from the West Coast and having that first game home and playing against a deep team was in your face. And to get that first regulation win against the Bruins in the garden this year, that just shows how good this team is. And I, I think a bunch of different people deserve a lot of credit. And I think Ron Francis has done a great job, mainly if you look at the fact that he didn't fire Dave Haxall, which which I, I think on this podcast was said and, and has been mentioned many times, like it almost seemed like a hire to just get him through the first few years where they may struggle. And in the end, when the team became really good, he probably wouldn't be there with the, the, the word or the words you're looking for is sacrificial lamb. Yeah, a little bit like sacrificial lamb. Yeah, like you're going to make money and you're a head coach again after the the failure in Philly, I'll say for him. And and all of a sudden he ends up he's doing a great job. And I think last year, if you look, the goaltending was the worst in the league. It was horrible. I'll get into that in a minute. But Jones has been great, especially lately. Lately, he's been lights out. I'm not even going to say great the entire time. But this team has just bought into the system that they need to play to win. Now, they score a lot of goals. I think they're tied with the Bruins and another team for most goals in the league, right behind Edmonton. And it's like, it, it's 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 by committee. So last year, I don't think people brought up how big of a loss Brandon Tanev was. Well, it wasn't just him. Jaden Schwartz was out for a little while. Um, they had another big injury last year of a very important player. Uh, it, it'll come to me. But you got, you got both of those guys playing right now. Uh, I think you also looked at when when they decided to take Schwartz from St. Louis instead of Tarasenko, Schwartz isn't exactly lighting it up, but he was signed by Seattle to a good deal. I think right around 5 million for five years. That's a guy who can play up and down the lineup, basically a top two line player, but a smart, a smart heady player who, who uses like every skill he has to the full extent. Right? So he's been great. Well, at the same time you add in Burakovsky, who is a huge, huge deal for them to get you trade for Bjorkstrand who's a hell of a player who who had some quotes that he noticed right away when he got traded They're like this is a team who could do could do some damage and then they signed Justin Schultz so you you get these guys back from injury from last year you add these three really solid NHL players you buy into a system that Hackstall has that finally the team's kind of figured out and it's hard I mean you have this first year you have this crazy new organization you don't really know what's going on you get zero goaltending and everything switches this year where they're just buying in they're playing the way they know the, the way they need to to win games and it's just been like lightning in a bottle now the only worry is like they could score goals but in a sense if they don't get four or five goals it seems like it's going to be hard for them to win and on the day when martin jones gets named first star in the nhl this past week it wasn't month i think it was just a week right all right yeah first star of the week yep well goaltending still isn't great and i i think he's he's below 900 save percentage on the year the team's goals against where I think great. In, I, I think, think it's I think it's bottom half. They're bottom half of the league and giving up goals. Ra mentions the special teams struggle. Yeah. So I 
I, I no doubt. Shout out to RA. I think they're in the playoffs. I don't know if they have what it takes to maybe make a run. Um, they'd have to, they'd have to have goaltending improve. And right now, it's 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 where it needs to be. I don't know if this can continue. That's the question. But the final thing is mapping ears. And, yeah. and and I love seeing it, him being a local guy, uh, ISL, that's the independent school league, that's prep school hockey in the Boston area, for anyone who doesn't know, played at Milton Academy, went out to the national program, lit it up at Michigan. Dude, he turned 20 in November. I mean, leading the team in scoring. Right now, definitely the favorite for rookie of the year. What a game changer that is. And last year, that was that was it. It, it was Tanev injury, Schwartz injury, and they didn't have Beneers until the last 10 games of the year where he had nine points. So this year he comes in, he's a little below point a game. He looks like he's going to be a 15-year NHL player, yeah. producing 70 to 85 points, exactly what you need to compete at a high level and have a, have a star player that they got because of a solid draft pick. So it's it's very, very bright, bright future for this team and this organization. And we heard right off the hop of Vegas and their magical run that first year about the environment in the building. You kind of hear the same thing for these games in Seattle. I, I would love to catch a, catch a game out there. I know we'll be out there next year for the Winter Classic, but I got to get to a game at that climate change arena. What a breakdown. A little round of applause for the Whip Dog. It's a fun team to watch because you look at teams – that win, you know, with superstars like Edmonton. And then you look at teams who who just do it through depth and they do it through guys carrying their weight and knowing what every what's expected from every single line and every guy buying in. And it's like, holy fuck, this team, the way they move around, the way they skate, you're put it this way, you're gonna have to play a balls to the wall game with maximum effort to beat these guys. Um, so goaltending, that is the one question. I don't know if they'll be able to make a run unless that improves. I don't really know what you could do. Maybe they go out and look at your boy in, in Arizona. I mean, you keep talking. I don't know why they trade him, but maybe they're looking at like Arizona's like, we're not going to be where we need to be until this guy's a free agent. He maybe won't be here. What could we get in return right now? You know what I'll give you? You know what I want back for Vimelka? What? Bowie's fucking head on a platter. Fuck that guy. That's Bowie. been the biggest difference. Bowie, his first season, and now they're fucking popping off. I fucking hate that mascot. Now, oh, last guy. Okay, Vince. I wanted I wanted to touch on your point though. Okay, about the if they don't, uh, they need to score to win. I think that they're o ten and two uh, when scoring two goals or fewer. So they haven't won any one nothing or two one games this year or two nothing games. They need to score in bunches in order to win. I mean, obviously most teams records probably aren't that great when they score two or fewer goals, but I bet you Boston's got a few of them. I, I bet you they're probably 500 because they can win those two one games. And another one, here's a nugget for you. I know I'm not the big stack guy. You're the stack guy. 16 games so far this year, the Kraken, have had 10 players in the lineup with a point or more. So 10, 10 players or more with at least a point in a game 16 times. That's so that's depth, and that leads the NHL. And I actually reached out to Nick Olchek just to get like the lowdown on what's going on with the group, and you pretty much said everything that he said. That was the one example he had for as far as these guys getting it done, especially offensively. As a committee, he mentioned the, the the low scoring. And the other thing he talked about was Matty Beneers. He's the best player on the team in his first full season. He goes, Biz, he goes, I wouldn't be surprised if he's competing for the Selkie in years to come because I've never seen a player that this young, so beyond his years at covering the game full 200 feet. Not looking for cookies every shift, defensive side of the puck. And he says in years to come, as he gains a little bit more strength, because oh. he's, I don't want to say he's short, but he's, he's definitely undersized for a, for a first line center, right? 
He, what is he? Five eleven. Five eleven, six feet, maybe. But which you know, he he'll get that strength and a little thicker, so he can fucking maneuver a little bit more around the ice to compete with these other fucking freaks of nature. But he has an insane motor on him, and this that you said it, fifteen year NHL vet. He's going to be a stallion. And and before we move on, Vince Dunn, guy with a ton of potential, can skate so well, undersized D man, but has taken off. And, and he's having a career year. I think he's on pace for over 50, maybe 60 points. A guy who can just kind of change the game with how he moves so effortlessly. Also, I mean, kind of an undercover man rocket. He's got a hairline like, like a Greek god. Just a hell of a head of hair on him. And, and I think that gaining the confidence that he has this year, that's only going to mean brighter things in his future. And when you can skate like that, the game can be very easy at times. Uh, Seattle does lead the league 116 goals at five on five. So they're very good there. Uh, they were the first team since the 96 Penguins to score eight road goal, eight road goals on three separate occasions this season. Uh, they had six calls on seven shots Saturday in Chicago. It's just the eighth time in NHL history that a road team has had every forward record a point in the same period. That's pretty fucking wild. I saw a, a tweet, shit. a tweet by that Lazarus reporter for Chicago. He's like, um, Seattle now has six goals. They have seven shots in the game. This is an all time tanking effort by the Blackhawks. Someday when they win the cup in 2035, we'll remember this night. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be Arizona. All uh, right. That was a great nugget. How many five on five goals? Uh, 116 five on five goals. So, I mean, if they could uh, not get penalties, uh, the other team doesn't get penalties. They might be a, a problem in the playoffs, but yeah, looking at the penalty killing, what, what they say it was, uh, uh, 31st in the league, uh, 18th for power play. So those are, you know, not great numbers heading into the playoffs. Obviously they're not there yet. They got 1.1 million in cap space. They do have Don Scoy on injured reserve. He makes 3.9 million. If he were to go to long-term, they could go over that much money. Uh, so we don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they're in a position now. They might win the West. I Don's think they got to make some boys a heck of a fucking player, too. Yeah. Hey, boys, I'll tell you what. We're not even out of the Pacific, and my wrists are so sore from giving off these wristers. We yeah. just stroked Seattle well, there's and two, LA there's like two crazy. teams that you got to talk about. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's some good hockey. Good hockey. That Pacific division is going nothing like anyone thought it would prior to the year beginning. We're not done with it yet either. Oh, by the way, did you see that uh, Chris Dreege's mask? He got a new mask on. He had uh, Eddie Vetter on one side and Kurt Cobain on the other. Pretty cool. With no like a guitar, yeah, with like a guitar neck going across the head. Yeah, pretty pretty cool shit. I check it out online. Um, but we're not done with the Pacific yet. Is that boy talk going to Vancouver? Well, Elliot Friedman seems to think so. He said talk it and the Canucks have talked a bunch. Uh, he said that the decision is in Vancouver's hands right now, and any decision would come in a couple weeks. Uh, GM Jim Rutherford said, all I can say is that Bruce is our coach right now. But with that, I'm calling and talking. Don't know what we're, we're going to make a change. Don't know if we want to make a change. Uh, and then he had another press conference today. Jim Rutherford met the press. He said he's, quote, disappointed with the job he's done so far. He initially thought the team needed minor surgery, but now he sees it as major surgery. Uh, all the core players aren't going to end up here. I like a challenge. And, man, I got a challenge here. We're not moving forward toward a rebuild. I prefer the tomb retool. But either way, back to the coaching situation, like how much of a shitty position does this put Bruce, Bruce Boudreau in? He doesn't have a contract next year. He's already sort of a lame duck in that way. And now the team knows he's going to probably get fired in a couple of weeks, man. You got to feel bad for a guy like that. No, I'll throw it over to wit first. Like, I mean, yeah, this like a it's disgrace. A, it's getting dragged out a this little bit. A joke, dude. And it's been mentioned a bunch of times before all over the place, but let him go right now because not only not only like is this a Canadian market where things are, you know, 
times 100 in terms of the, the pressure, the media, all the things that go into coaching and playing in Canada. But you brought him in last year. Things turned around. All right, you're not happy with this year. That makes sense. It, it, it is nice of Rutherford to say he's not happy with the job he's done because things have been a disaster. But there is no doubt that Talkett's going to be the head coach there. When there's this much of uh, fire, where there's this much smoke, there's fire. Excuse me, I can't talk. And at this point, like to make Bruce Boudreau come in there every single day, knowing he's not going to be there, make the assistant coach the interim head. Whenever talk, it ends up getting hired. It ends up becoming a thing. He takes over. Bruce Boudreau is a dead man walking right now and having to answer questions in a Canadian market that he has no control over. I don't know if we could play the audio, Mikey, of Boudreau's quote when asked about it. I just just wake up every day and uh, and go to work until they tell me not to. You hear it in his voice, like, "Yeah, I, I'm waking up and I'm coming to work till till I'm not till I'm told not to." Like, what a shitty position for a guy who's been around this game forever to have to go through when it's not even all on him. The roster sucks. There's nothing there. And now you got this coach who's constantly hearing how he's going to be fired. Maybe not tomorrow. Maybe not the next day. Maybe in two weeks. Maybe in a week. It's like, what the fuck are we doing? It's just zero respect for a coach who's coached in this league a long time, who's won the Jack Adams, right? I mean, Boudreaux has a Jack Adams, doesn't he? Uh, At maybe, least one of them, not mistaken. M- maybe as coach in Washington. Do you know what I'm saying here, Biz, in terms of yeah, like, it's just, no, it's so, not, it's, so, he's going to so get they, the money either way and he's not going to quit. So in this position, let's say you're interviewing candidates, right? And it's becoming public knowledge that they are going to move on. Do they just fire him and then make the assistant, the interim yes. head coach? Yeah. So why, when the why news they, has broken. Yeah. So I don't understand maybe why they haven't done that. Uh, I, I tend to agree with you. It's a shitty way to let it drag out and it's Canadian media. It's not like it's happening in Carolina where like, no, it's not in the news and shit. No one really cares and everybody can keep hush hush about it. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it's definitely a little bit embarrassing, but ultimately it came down to the fact that in training camp, you started hearing rumblings about the way that Rutherford, he wasn't crazy about how things were operated and maybe the time and energy that were going into like implementing structure and systems and maybe the tone set in training camp right from the gun being like, are we just roll over, rolling over and dying here? Like, what's the game plan going in? What are each individual's role and what do they contribute? Like, so I think that things started off really on, on, on the wrong foot in training camp this year. And just with some of the things that you see happen on the ice and maybe like ice time distribution, lack of consistency, um, don't quote me on this, but fuck, how many two goal leads have they given up? They got to be at the top of the league as far as giving up leads, two and three goal leads. They've, they've, they happen. You feel, I feel like every two weeks you're checking the box score where they're giving away, especially early in the season where it was an insane stat. And recently, weren't they up three nothing on the Penguins and the Penguins just stormed right back? I don't, I guess what I'm trying to say is the change, it seemed like it was inevitable. And now they just haven't done a good job of speeding up of the process of, of vetting a candidate and then getting Boudreaux out of there in a nice way and making an assistant the interim until you solidify that head coaching job. And yeah, it does look like it's going to be talk. So I don't, it's I don't, just I really not don't. fair. It's, it's not fair when. When it comes out and, and so how out. long right now, how long right now would you say it's gone? It's gotten dragged out like a week. Uh, it was like five to six days ago when it became known that 
I mean, and, and, and Rutherford comes out and says, yeah, we've been talking to people. So that's one thing. But once it breaks and when it breaks with a guy like Elliot Friedman and these elite level insiders, like I said, like it's going to happen. So just for to make a guy come into work and for anyone who says, yeah, he's making a couple million bucks, whatever it is, like it's one thing to be getting paid and to possibly get fired. It's another thing to know you're going to get fired and the whole hockey world know you're going to get fired and you're sitting there going in and these guys are expected to listen to you and, and, and kind of still go with your game plan. It's just not fair. Yeah. That's what I want to ask about with like the players, like, you know, they know the guy's lame duck. He's going to get fired anytime. I mean, do they lose respect for the guy? Do they try to like play hard in form or what? Like, is it depend on the player? You know what I mean? It's well, like, that's about being a professional and it doesn't okay. matter who's behind the bench and what's going on. You got to show up and give an effort. I, I, I think it would be a cop out for any player to mention like this really affecting their game, mm-hmm. but the whole team knows what's going on. And, and the whole team's probably like, this is just as awkward for us. Not to mention you have Quinn Hughes who barely says boo in the media coming out to defend a teammate this poor Tanner Pearson, who had was supposed to be out four to six weeks with a hand or a wrist injury, he just had his third surgery on the same injury. And Quinn Hughes comes out and says, yeah, it was mishandled. It's like, how many things can go wrong in Vancouver? But to hear a player who's very quiet under, you know, doesn't say a ton, like I mentioned, come out and, and, and say like, yeah, the team has basically fucking ruined this kid. That's another indicting thing on 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 Rutherford Alvin in this entire organization. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to that, Quinn Hughes, I, I feel bad for him. I mean, it wasn't handled properly, and you know, it's not a really good situation he's got there. And hopefully, he's going to be all right. And then he kind of, I don't, I don't want to say backpedaled, but he clarified the comments a couple of days later. I wasn't trying to blame anyone. I don't think it's really anyone's fault. It's just an unfortunate situation. But in a situation like that, of course, I care about my teammates, and you know, I hate to see a guy go through hell like that. Now, Rutherford said the team is conducting an internal review after the comments to see what the fuck up here is. He's talking to the trainers, the coach, the general manager, just to see, like, how does this kid say this? Like, not that you did anything wrong, but to know that they fucked up Tanner Pearson's hand. It should have been, like you said, what, four to six weeks. Now he's on his third surgery. He's going to miss the rest of the year. Uh, and I think he has to have more. Possibly. And, and, and like Quinn Hughes can can try to walk back the comment, which makes sense. That's kind of normal. Like I mentioned, Canada, they're all over him about it. But when you say a quote like it wasn't handled properly, there really isn't any walking it back, right? That That's a pretty pretty legit statement in terms of like whether it was the team doctor, whether it was the trainer. And I hate I hate even mentioning trainers making a mistake because these guys are, are what keeps these teams going. But something within the team happened that if you got to talk to Tanner Pearson and hear the real story, he's just probably disgusted. And, and and hopefully he's okay because in the end, that's all that really matters is this guy's health. Stanley Cup champion who's been through it where all of a sudden he's he's getting surgery after surgery on something that was supposed to be a month. Yeah, it was kind of ironic that Rutherford in his presser on Monday said uh, he was expecting minor surgery. Now he sees it as major surgery. Just kind of weird terminology to use based on the story a couple of days before. about. I Tanner get what Pearson you're saying, surgery. though. I was talking more about, like, I guess it... it it wasn't really that surprising given with like how the, the, the relationship with Rutherford. And yeah. The comments uh, but, but last the season, season, it wasn't that way. Last season, everything changed. And, and I think I well, picked they were Vancouver winning every the- game with the Bruce there. It is chance. Yeah. Maybe that chant really ruined it. The worst chant of all time. But when, when, it, when, it, when it comes out in camp that like the president doesn't like how camp went, it's like, that is just the beginning of the end. And now the guy's coaching, knowing he's going to be fired tomorrow or whatever, whenever it happens. Yeah. Get your house Can you remember yeah, another yeah. instance in the NHL or any other sport where it's obvious that a coach is going to be fired midseason and is still continuing to coach? Like, I know it's like, oh, this guy's probably going to get fired after another loss. But 
you don't hear that it's definitely going to go down and the guy continues to go to work every day. It's just such an odd scenario. Yeah, it's definitely unusual, but we'll see what happens with Vancouver. They got a lot of work to do to fix that team. And if talk does end up there, good luck to him. Let me uh, tell you this, though. Every fucking time we talk about this team being a disaster, since the JT Miller trade, you fucking rush the rebuild. You got to get bad. You got... Connor Bedard, a kid from fucking Vancouver who's up for first overall in the draft. Trade the Russian. Trade Bo Horvat. Get as bad as you can to try to get yourself at least one of those top three picks. Enough. It's fucking crazy. Is it not? Yeah, you just can't. It's like he even said it's a retool, not rebuild. You cannot say we're rebuilding in Canada. It's like the fans just won't stand for it. And I don't know if that's something Fuck that they're off. talking about. I oh know. I know, dude. It's just how it is. Well, you're hearing it here. It's a fucking it's a, it ain't a retool. You need a rebuild. It's a bukkake. You, you need wreck it, Ralph, and rebuild that motherfucker. Unfortunately, we also got some very sad news from the Canucks yesterday. Uh, I'm sorry, Sunday uh, franchise legend Gino Ojic passed away at just 52 years old. Uh, back in 2014, he announced that he was diagnosed with something called amyloidosis. It's a rare terminal disease that produces abnormal protein deposits in the heart. Uh, they didn't know if he was going to live weeks or months, and he, he ended up going for another nine years. Obviously, a, a, a beloved teammate on and off the ice, a beloved uh, member of the community. He stayed in Vancouver, uh, a huge role model to the indigenous community. I mean, everybody had talked to say, like like a lot of the fighters, uh, biz, they're gentle giants off the ice, just a hell of a guy. And uh, he actually named one of his sons uh, after one of his best friends. Beret Ojik is his son's name, named after Valerie Beret, who we, uh, I'm sorry, Pavel Beret, who we protected out in the ice all those years, and they remain good friends. But uh, just a sad story for yeah. a guy from our generation, one of the best fighters in the league. And uh, loved in Vancouver. Loved in Vancouver. And I believe somebody that was really important to um, in indigenous. Am I saying that correctly? Like, yeah. you know, pe people who have ended up making it, guys like Jordan Tutu and people who. You know, you look to to Ojik's hometown, the arena's named after him. And it's something where a lot of guys probably looked up to him at a young age in terms of he can make it. I can make it. And yeah, it, it, I, I never I never met him, but you've only heard great things. And that guy, he, he laid it all, all out on the line. Right. I mean, he fought for a living in a, in a day and age when guys were six, four, two fifty fighting 30, 40 times a year. So rest in peace. Well said, Whit. well said, Whit. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin, another week, another record, man. Uh, he hit 30 goals versus Philly Saturday night, and in doing so, he tied another NHL record set by another Capitals legend. Uh, him and Mike Gartner now each have 17 30-goal seasons. Uh, 397 of Gartner's 708 goals came while in D.C. The only season Ovechkin didn't score 30 was this uh, 21 season that was shortened to 56 games. He also scored his 400th goal at home, just the fifth player to score 400 home goals after Gretzky, Howe, Yaga, and Gardner. And he's already the leader in road goals with 410. So Ovi just keeps getting it done every week, something new. Uh, 30 goals is so many goals. Like, it is so hard to score 30 goals. And 30 goals for him is like, just mark it down. I mean, that's not even, you just said it, We're 18, whatever it is. Like, that is so many goals. If you get 30 goals in a season, that's we're halfway like, through the shit. year. We're what? only halfway through the year. You got 30. <laughs> I know. Fucking guy's a machine. He's on the gas. Uh, another guy that just keeps getting it done every week that we have to talk about Connor McDavid. Well, happy 26 Connor on his night of his birthday, two goals, one assist versus San Jose. Uh, and we'll hear a little bit more about this when we bring on Tyson Barry, but uh, his socks made the news biz. This 
pair of socks he's, I guess he's had forever. The company doesn't make them anymore. And uh, I guess nothing surprises me after being a hockey player and being in the room. And, and then you see, uh, I think Sid's still got the same jock since midget. Yep. But, oh, God, the feeling on your feet. I remember I Yans new used, socks. Oh, I love new socks. Yans used to wear a, new, a brand new pair of socks every single game. Yeah, brand that's new. the NHL. Do the stupid routine where he would stretch each part of the sock out. He was a weirdo before he went on the ice. But yeah, those are just, I guess they don't make those socks anymore. And he likes the way they feel. But I mean, that's just, ugh. I I can't believe guys would go barefoot in their skates, let alone have those types of socks. Yeah, that's wild. Going bareback for, for skating. Another thing that he didn't like uh, that he was talking about, R.A. Oh, yeah. Mentioned the of- fact that he, he he doesn't want the shootouts. Yep. Oh, I, I like that. old socks, but not a fan of the shootout. He said, no one loves the shootout. It's a crappy way to end a game. Uh, he proposed maybe a 10 minute three on three overtime. I, I don't know if that's going to happen because, you know, if you have too many of those games, you're taxing guys even further. But I don't think we're going to bring ties brought back. What do you I mean, what do you see happening here with, if anything? I don't know. I don't hate 10 minutes uh, three on three. I feel like you're going to get a winner every game but i guess the, the the whole risk being like what do you do if 10 minutes nobody scored because you can't have ties Tie, ties are done with you'll never see a tie again i don't think but it is hard to just just decide what you do um maybe you go to one-on-one after five minutes it's just like i i don't know the ideas but i am when, with mcdavid and that when the shootout first originated it was kind of exciting you see different moves and we've had a bunch of different amazing nhl highlights patrick kane pavel datsuk based on the shootout but, oh, my God, is it boring now? It's just like, oh, all right, here we go. And, and, and he, once you get to the shootout, and besides when you get into playoff time or really the race for the playoffs, it's like, all right, everyone's happy. They got their point. It's just boring. Um, I, I would love to see, like, in terms of, like, fans, if they really enjoy it, because I'm sure there is probably young kids that, that love seeing different moves that they can practice and try at home. But for me, watching as many games as I do, when a game goes to a shootout, it's just like, ah, uh, all right. Maybe go no offsides. I mean, just, <laughs> I mean, three on, th- it's a joke anyway. It's three on three. It's not real hockey. You just let like, the guys can loaf. Yeah. 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 It's to enhance something so they're more likely to score. If you were to go to 10 minutes, I mean, you don't want guys. So the big thing for 10 minutes there. was the PA, though. And it was, it was the length of time, right? Because the guys who were on the ice most of the game were going to be yeah. the guys on the ice more. So it became a, a PA issue for the five minutes. So, yeah, I, I think if, if that guy's saying it, fuck, if he's if he's one of the strongest voices in the next CBA agreement, fuck, he can get whatever he wants. Yeah, I'd certainly like to see it. And by that, by the way, that Vancouver Carolina OT um, was it Sunday night. I don't know if you caught it. Terrific OT back and forth action. Of course, they had a settle with a shootout. But yeah, and Pedersen some, had the sick winner oh, with the Forsberg the too. Forsberg. Awesome stuff. <laughs> As we dog the shootout. Uh, one more note on Connor, too. He's the fastest to 80 points since the 96 Penguins of Mario, Yaga, and Francis. He got there in 44 games. And right now, uh, 37 goals, 46 assists, total on 83 points in 45 games so far. So he's looking to crack that 150 number that hasn't been hit for a while. So obviously we want to see it, love to see it. Uh, and one, for, one more Oilers note before we send it over to Tyson Barry. We want to say congrats to... Uh, Teammate Vincent DeHaney on making his NHL debut Wednesday in Anaheim. Uh, 26-year-old defenseman was a seventh-round pick back in the 2016 draft. Played four years at Providence. He was in his fourth season at Bakersfield. Finally gets called up, gets an assist in his second game. And what's crazy, it was almost 20 years to the day 
that Fernando Pisani made his debut at the same age in the same arena in uh, Anaheim, 26 years old in Anaheim. Just a wild coincidence. But you got to love a story like that. Guy grinded, finally gets Oh, it's shot. awesome. It reminds me of Rob Scuderi, who I, I don't know the exact age, but I know he played three, four years in the minors, though getting a call up. And then you know what his career turned into. Stanley Cup champion twice and a guy who just kind of grinded it out for those early years, turning pro and, and ends up getting his chance. So that's an awesome story. And the Oilers, uh, they won three out of four, that big win in Vegas. So they're, they're kind of getting things going. We'll see. Yeah, he got had an assist in his second game. So that's pretty cool, man. Fernando Pisani, too. One of the, I mean, I guess you can't say greatest goals in Oiler history with their history in the 80s and early 90s. But yeah. he got that... Uh, that sh- I don't know if it was shorthanded, but it was a breakaway game winner in OT of the Game 5 Stanley Cup Final. They ended up smoking Carolina Game 6 and lost back in Carolina Game 7. But, you know, the, 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 the Canes were one goal away from, from winning the Cup at home in Game 5, and Pisani ended that. Had a great run before he battled some some brutal illness. I don't know if it was ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease, but he went through a ton. I think it was Crohn's, yeah. Yeah. Well, before we go any further, we want to talk to you for a moment about our Bastool merch. Grinelli, you've done an outstanding job getting all this stuff out there. We got the spit and chicklets gear, the big deal brewing stuff, Pink Whitney stuff, the rollback stuff. What's, your, what's been your favorite thing we dropped so far this year, G? R.A., you actually just mentioned the rollback, the rollback hoodies that we have, and they are so comfortable. They're light. You can wear them basically whenever. So the rollback hoodies are my favorite. These independent co big deal, uh, big deal brewing hoodies are awesome as well. We have the Pink Whitney winter cap. So we have so much stuff. Also, the Watson gloves, winter gloves. I love those i wear those every single day the unrl sweatshirts i mean i think everything is just is uh, our merchandise is just awesome right now so you can head on over to barstoolsports.com slash chicklets or store.barstoolsports.com and check out the whole collection absolutely i'm a big hoodie hat guy especially sweatpants so go there get all your spit and chicklets merch once again at store.barstoolsports.com enjoy and uh, i guess without further ado we go to current oilers defenseman tyson barry all right, it's time to welcome this guest back for his second appearance after a four-year layoff. He was taken in the third round by Colorado at the 09 draft and spent his first eight seasons in Denver. After a year in Toronto, he signed with Edmonton, where he's currently in his third season as an Oiler. Thanks so much for joining us once again on the Spit and Chicklets podcast, Tyson Barry. How's it going, man? It's going great. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure's all ours. I know you guys played in Vegas last night. Did you guys spend the night or did you just get out of home right after? No, unfortunately, we got out of there right after. Um, <laughs> got in at like 4 a.m., so a little tired, but if we would have stayed the night, would have been the same result, I, I think. thought for <laughs> sure you guys were staying because you had the primary assist 45 seconds into the game. I thought I thought you had your credit card <laughs> oh, yeah. down on the table. <laughs> Boys, let's get it started early. And let's get there early and shut it down. (laughs) Have teams spotted up about the Vegas flu after the first couple of years? It seemed like teams are getting dummied every time they went to Vegas. For me, it's not even a city where you really think about it because it's so obvious. If you want to go for a few beers, like you got to go clubbing and stuff. And that's just way too much. So it hasn't, uh, I've never been hit with the Vegas flu uh, before a game. So um, I don't know, maybe other teams are smartening up too, but it just seems too daunting. That seems like too big of a send. You're more of a pub guy now too, anyway. Yeah, just a, you know, again, just a Guinness or two and a little fish and chips. Or 12. That's as you get older. <laughs> Biz, Biz and I always say, I mean, even when the pod started years ago, it was kind of like maybe we'd go to a club. Nope. Just give me a pub with a game on TV. That's all yeah. I need now. It's uh yeah, that's it. That's all I'm looking for. It's hard to convince some of the young guys that's all they need, but 
I mentioned it's been, I think, four years since we had you on before. But yeah, you were one of the stars of Biz Does BC back in the day. How'd he rope you into that? He just texted me and he's like, hey, I'm doing a little <laughs> thing. Do you want to go race some cars or do something and play around a golf? And I was like, yeah, sounds great. That <laughs> it was, was a lot of fun, a, actually. That was a long day, buddy. I appreciated that. You get you probably you're probably the most featured uh, other than maybe Morgan Riley. So I appreciate the dedication of that. And it's glad to get you back on. And it all happened on the island where you were born and, and where you're from. Exactly. Anytime I get a chance to show off the island, I'm, I'm game. So if you want to do a 2.0, let me know. Well, we said we're going to go up there because Biz has his place and join the golf club. And then I know you're from there. Just an amazing place to grow up, huh? Yeah. I mean, I was a little... Uh kind of all over the place with yeah. my dad playing too, bouncing around, but we'd always go back in the summer. It's where I was born. And then um, since I've been playing, I'm back every summer and, and try to spend as much time as I can there. It's just, you know, the more I travel and, and see things and see the world, I'm still kind of, you know, blown away every time I go back by the the beauty of it. So uh, very fortunate to be from Vancouver Island. And um, the older I get, the more I appreciate it. I think That's it's the best too. kept secret in North America. Wait, Secrets out a little wait. bit though, Biz. Yeah, because of Biz. <laughs> yeah, you're scooping up properties everywhere and talking about it on every fucking pod. You keep it quiet, man. There's a group of people in Victoria who despise spitting chicklets. Like, this <laughs> asshole with the big nose brings this place up every freaking week. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, I bought a property a while ago, so it's all good. <laughs> That's the only reason I'm doing it. I'm trying to get the values up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going to gentrify the place. Uh, you spent a lot of youth in Florida, too, didn't you? What, what part of Florida were you in? So we spent... Uh, my dad had like two stints there, one little one when I was young. And then uh, when I was like 10 years old, we were in uh, Coral Springs. You know, he was playing with the Panthers. So I played uh, the Coral Spring Coyotes minor hockey. Yeah, I was 10. So I remember I remember it all. And uh, really good, good memories of Florida. The hockey wasn't great back then. It was probably 20 years ago now. So I, I imagine it's come a little ways since then. But um, yeah, I grew up playing minor hockey there over in Germany a little bit. And uh California too, Long Beach Junior Ace Dogs. I've asked a lot of kids we've had on. Well, not a lot because it's so rare to have a dad play in the NHL and then you make it. And and being in, like you mentioned, you're 10 years old. It's not like you're three or four. Like you remember it. It must have just made you fall in love with the game even more. Being around these guys, were you at the rink with them whenever you could? And like was was Bure on those Florida teams? Yeah, uh, Pav was on the team, and uh, Luongo was the backup, I think. So I used to go out and shoot on shoot on him after practice trevor kip was a goalie the wizard ray whitney was on the team uh melanby there was a lot man there was a ton of good guys and um big peter Orell was there and he used to just toss me around when i'd come in so yeah i got i had a lot of great memories and it was uh it just made it fun because not a lot of kids were playing hockey in in florida back then so i was the only one going to practice it seemed at all my friends so it was uh it was nice the uh all, all the big boys were good to me was there a story I wanted, where, I wanted to quit a couple of times. Yeah. Was there a story where like Peter Worrell used to throw you in the, in the big dryers or something? Yeah. Oh yeah. He'd shove <laughs> me right in there. He'd put me in the laundry bin and then roll me over and put me in and close the door. That is so funny. Did yeah, you say you wanted to quit a couple of times? Oh yeah. In Florida. Oh yeah. It was just like, I was, I, I was the only kid playing hockey in school or like at my school and it'd be time to go to practice. And I was a little chunky and I was like hard work and I didn't really like it. Like I loved, I'd sit in the garage and shoot pucks and, play goalie all day but then it was time to get the gear on and go to practice i wasn't a I wasn't a big fan so my dad would threaten to sell my gear and i'd cry and then i'd go and once i moved back to the island it was a lot better because everybody was playing hockey and it's just what you did so um but yeah there was a there was some i was a little heavy and i didn't really like the hard work that came along with it so glad i shedded that 
I'm actually looking at your dad's like career on Hockey DB right now. So Victoria had a WHL team back in the day, and that's where he played. Yeah. Why did they get? Why did I feel like that'd be a perfect place for a team now? No. Well, they have one now. Oh, they okay. Got, I they thought, got one I back. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, so sorry, it, it went to the ECHL for a bit, though, didn't it? And they yeah, lost the Salmon their Kings. Teams? Yeah. Yep. Went to the Salmon Kings. Jordy Ben had a quick stint there, uh, and then maybe I missed the I missed the WHL team by a year. That they came from Chilliwack. And then I was, uh, I, I moved on, but yeah, I missed them by a year, but yeah, they've been there for 12 years now. Were you able to play with the Bens growing up quite a bit at a uh, certain no, point? They were, they were out in Peninsula and they're a bit older than me, but, uh, I played a couple games with the, um, Victoria Grizzlies junior A team when I was underage and that, that team had Bozak, uh, Jordy, Jamie, um, Gary and I'm really good team. And, uh, I absolutely blew it. I think I went tick four in a playoff game for him, but <laughs> my dad owned the team. So that helped. That's the only reason I was in the line. Um, yeah. So I played with them just briefly in junior, but then I got to play with Jamie for two years in Kelowna. That's where you like really popped off. Were you always that offensive minded? Cause I want to say you're the, like the highest scoring defenseman in Kelowna Rockets uh, history, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not a a big deal. (laughs) I was really, I was really offensive minded in minor hockey. Like I was a wagon. I was just up and down (laughs) the ice kind of last man back toe drags, that whole thing. And, um, since tried to dial it in a little bit, but not really uh, though. No, I mean, Hey, look, watch my game. Now I'm not taking any chances. I'm just stalling out there, keeping it all in front of me. Um, but yeah, Kelowna was a great, great place to play junior and uh really fun spot. I mean, all around and they treated us so well and I got a great opportunity, played on some great teams, won the league backdoor tuck game winner, game six overtime. <laughs> what do you say? Not a big deal. Uh, and, <laughs> and I went to the Memorial Cup final and absolutely blew it. No, you guys yeah. get smoked? Yeah, like three goals on five shots to start it off maybe. And then That's just couldn't claw back. Spit Spitfires, they had a good squad too, though. Halsey, yeah, Hall, Cass, uh, Henrique, Ellis, uh, Ellis, that whole that that's whole a wagon there. right there. Zach Cassian, yeah, yeah, uh, was Castle on that team, or he maybe he went the next year. I think he was on the uh, the team that oh. won it the next year, actually. Oh. I feel like the way you move, I mean, skating is definitely your best asset in, in his 2009 draft, like probably go a little higher now. Was it maybe your size then, where, where now in the draft it doesn't really matter as much? Yeah, maybe a little bit, I think. But I don't know, you know, I had a good year and uh, I don't know what, I don't know what held me back. Maybe my dad, <laughs> teams were afraid of him, so they didn't take me, but um, no, I don't know. But I, I'm super grateful the way it worked out. I got to, yeah. I got to land in Colorado and uh, you know, the, those eight years you mentioned were a lot of fun for me and lifelong friends I've met there and love the city. So I think it all works out how it's supposed to. And now I'm here in beautiful Edmonton. Hi, so when did uh, pro career like first come on your radar when you think, I thought to yourself, I can do this for a living. I can play in this league. Oh man, Pro- probably like not till I was in uh, my later years in Kelowna. Once I got drafted, and then uh, the next year when I was eighteen, I had a really good year and started getting some attention for maybe making the World Junior Team, which I thought was just way out of reach. And, um, and then after that, I was like, "Holy shit, maybe I can actually make a career out of this thing." And uh, kind of took it off a pedestal. But I didn't, I didn't know I would play in the NHL until I literally put my skates on for my first NHL game. That just seemed so far-fetched for me. And, uh, you know, very grateful for, you know, the 12 years I've played and uh, getting to do this for, for as long as I have and and hopefully a couple more good ones ahead of me. Yeah, when you broke up with Colorado, that team was super young. I think there were only like three guys over 30 years old in that team. It was uh, must have yeah. been a pretty fast yeah, group. 
dude, we had a lot of fun, but we were not good. Yeah, we struggled. Uh, but yeah, that was a complete. That was a lot of wagonry going on on that team. My my deep partner was big Shane O'Brien there, and uh, we had Mark Andre Klish, PA Parento, Patrick Bordalo, Ginner. Oh O'Reilly. yeah, I, I actually heard about that team. You guys had quite yeah quite a bit of fun. I yeah. think like half the team went down to Cabo during Olympic break one year. He, Just never he, came back. Was hey, was <laughs> yeah. was Yipper on one of those teams? Yeah, he was. Oh, Yipper geez. was there the year before I got there, so I went to training camp with Yipper. I know him a little bit, but I missed him by a year. Just a bunch of delinquents. Oh. Yeah, exactly. So, I, 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 from my understanding, it was uh, Eric Johnson's injury which basically led to you like getting more ice time and being able to flourish. What was the injury that he sustained? It wasn't when he got hurt with the the golf cart thing, was it? No, man, I don't. I wouldn't know. He's he was hurt all the time. I I can't keep up with that guy's <laughs> rap sheet, but he definitely uh he went down. You know, I was kind of up and down and trying to find my way, and I I, I got called up and. I just remember he was, he was hurt. So I was getting a little bit more ice time, but I wasn't really pissing a drop. I wasn't doing much with it. And then uh, I kind of got into it with our D coach on the bench and I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to just go like, kind of play my game. And I just, I made like a sick outlet pass. Stas went down scored, tied it up. And then it went to OT was four on four. Stas came around the net, found me in the slot. I buried it. And that was kind of like my, Oh shit. And a- after that, yeah, after that, I was like, I think I had like, I was like a point of game to finish the season and kind of never looked back, but. I was always teetering there. I thought I was going to Magnetodors for a while. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know what my career was going to look like. You know, I'd be richer now. What so, was the <laughs> fuck you match on the bench? Was yeah, it more I love of hearing like, that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, it was just like he'd said something to me when I came off the bench, and I was I just screamed at him like "fuck you." Then like you want me to go, and he's like, "Yeah, fucking do something." Kind of like show me what you can do. Like you're talking about it, and I was like, okay. And then I'm sure it would have happened eventually, but I just, you know, I got lucky to, that it kind of, I kind of broke it right after like the next shift. I think I went out and did something and then it was like, that was kind of good timing, but I could easily just absolutely floundered the rest of the game away. Who knows? I would have been in the minors, but yeah, it was just kind of heated. And he was like, fuck you then show me something. So then I did luckily you were a pizza pizza away on that shift. Like imagine it gets picked off. It goes the other way. You would have been at Magnitodorsk. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. I was, uh, my dad was calling overseas looking for deals already. He's like, get up, my angry. I'm like, all right, settle oh, down, buddy. Yeah. Hey, did you go by the bench, fucking stare down the coach, give him the, give him the, there you go. Yeah, something like that. I don't, I don't know if I was that cool at that point. <laughs> Speaking of coaches, you had Patty Watt for a few years there. How crazy of a coach was he? We've heard some stories over the years. Were you there? Yeah, sorry, was, were you there the first game when him and Bruce Boudreaux were going after each other? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was sending a message earlier. That was his first game and. Um, that was actually one of the worst games of my career and we pulled it off. We won that one, but yeah, that was, uh, that was wild. And it was McKinnon's first year, I think. Yeah. Nate's first year. So, um, you know, we were kind of in it together. Me and Nate, I was fresh and new and Patty came in and we're like, holy shit, this is Patrick law. And then he just went absolutely bananas on the bench and we're like looking at each other. Like, what did we get ourselves into here? It was great though. I liked Patty a lot. Me and Patty, you know, we, he would, he was super intense and, uh, but he never held a grudge or anything. He would, he would, he could give it to you. But the next day, he'd be like, "Yeah, tap and act. How are you doing?" You know, he was, he was just a passionate guy. But I, I really enjoyed playing for him. So you and McKinnon have obviously become very close friends. What was the first interaction? Was it at the training camp that year, or had you guys been introduced before that? Uh, no, we we went to uh, they they do that rookie development thing in Washington. So me and Nate, uh, they drafted him like that summer, and then. I was like a young guy coming up. So they sent me and Nate was my roommate there. 
And uh, yeah, we just met at that thing. We went had a couple beers one night, and and then we were roommates for the the next two years. And uh, yeah, Nate's a, he's a he's a beauty, one of my best buddies, and <laughs> uh, was super excited for him to to get uh, to hoist it last year. And um, yeah, he's a uh, He's, he's entertainment, pure entertainment. That guy. I love, I love the contrast of like, I mean, he seems to be a bit of a snap show or at least has reeled that in. Were you the calm side of him to be like, Hey, it's going to, it's going to be all right. So it's kind of like this yeah. yin and yang. It's like, Shut the fuck oh, up. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we got into it a bunch on the bench. He'd be screaming at me. I'd be yelling at him, but yeah, he's done. He's always fighting to keep, he's so passionate and emotional. He's, he's always fighting to not be screaming at somebody. So I always, uh, I tried to just, you know, level them right out and calm them down. But that I didn't have a ton of luck most of the time. And then at the end of the day, we'd end up fucking screaming at each other on the bench. And, um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's looking for the best out of everybody and, and himself and he won't, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, ask you to do anything he's not doing already. So, but uh, we've had some pretty funny, pre- pretty funny screaming matches. So McKinnon's been so good to us. We interviewed him up in Halifax with, with Crosby and he came on this summer after they wanted her in, in the fall before the year started. And and he was telling us up there that uh, there was a big moment for him. He started working with a sports psychologist and things started changing. And, and looking through the, the rosters, I think it was your third year he came into the league and then your sixth year is when he popped off. Like, Do you remember s- something changing in him, in him in terms of like the mental aspect or just like his skill level? Because it just took off to the 97 points, 99 points, and you kind of saw it all change. Yeah, I mean, it was... Uh... Yeah, he kind of flipped the switch. He came in and, yeah. um, you know, like you mentioned, we had a group of guys that was a lot of fun and liked to, you know, like to party and do all this stuff. And he was young and he was just kind of following the lead. And, you know, I don't think he was even scratching the surface of how good he could be. And I don't even think he knew how good he could be. And then that summer he went and just kind of nailed it down and took everything, you know, he, he's doing, I'm sure you guys will ask me about it, but, you know, the one thing I noticed with Nate and playing with Austin and Connor and, uh, getting to know Sid really well is all these guys, like the one thing they have in common is like, they're doing everything they can to be the best player they can. And that's that six year. I think you're talking about or Nate's third year is that's, that's when he started doing that. You know, he started taking nutrition seriously and just kind of top to bottom doing everything he could to be as good as he could be. And that's no surprise. He kind of just turned it on and, that's one thing I've noticed all those guys have in common. Nice. There was said to be a lot of like locker room divisions and stuff uh, in the early years. There was that stuff overblown or, or was it, there was a lot of uh, truth to that. Oh, I don't know. I loved everybody. I thought we were having a great time. I didn't, uh, <laughs> are you talking with the Dutchie and that yeah. kind of thing? And, yeah. yeah like, no, I, I, I think there was, no, I, I don't think it was a locker room division. I think, uh, you know, obviously factor held out the one year for that contract and um, you know, we, we'd had a bad team. We weren't, you know, we'd had two years and not really doing anything. And then it just kind of, you know, Dutchie was there a long time and had run his course and um, they moved factor out and Dutchie came out and then it was Nate's team. So yeah, I don't, there was nothing ever that was like super divisive in the locker room or anything like that. We were having a, we were having a good time. RA wants the tea. Hey, <laughs> just trying to dig old shit up and get you in a yeah. bad mood. I'm, like, trying, I'm, just, Fuck I'm trying to remember, the man. I'm trying to remember that was a long time ago. Uh, no, we, I mean, we all got along and there was nothing. Uh, we were certainly weren't gelling as well as we could have on the ice, but it was fine. When did it start turning there? Like, when did you guys start feeling more positive and it started heading in the right direction? Was it when it, when Bednar first came in? No, Bedsy came in and we were the worst team in the, like in the planet. Do you remember that year? Oh, That's God, I was yeah, on the Oilers in right, 2012. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that was, uh, 
think was maybe 14, 15 or something like that. But like, yeah, we were just, just terrible. Like out of playoffs by like Christmas, just floundering. That was Betsy's first year. Cause Patty quit like maybe two weeks before camp. So poor Betsy came in and <laughs> just like went sideways early and then we just couldn't claw back. So that was, uh, but then the next year it was like so embarrassing. So that whatever, you know, we had a good summer and a uh, couple, couple pieces came in and, uh, yeah. And then that year we made the playoffs and I think we lost I'm trying to remember, maybe we lost in game seven to San Jose or something like that. Second round. That was kind of the first time guys were like, okay, maybe we got something here. You know, like it's not that kind of took it off the pedestal to playoffs and winning around, winning around was huge. We beat Calgary in the first round. What was the vibe when Patty Waugh just quit up and quit? Like, were you guys like, were yeah, you we were shocked, relieved? you know? Yeah. It was getting a little bit because it was getting, uh, you know, you could tell he was, he, you know, he was searching for answers. We were searching for answers. Nothing was really working. And and then he kind of p- pulled it and uh, it was a fresh start, but like, boy, did it go sideways for us the next year. Nice. I knew you had a, an arbitration here and there when you were in Colorado. Was, was it as bad as they say it is as far as like the team just shitting all over you? Like- no, I, I could see it going that way, depending on, you know, who your GM and who's on the other side of the table. But luckily I had Joe Sackick there and he's, you know, Small I don't horn. need to tell you. <laughs> Yeah, I don't need to tell you guys about Joe. Guys so. don't like him. Yeah, sweetheart. He didn't. Uh, he took it easy on me. He he gave me a couple of comparables I didn't agree with, but uh, other than that, you know, it was it was fine. I was a little, you know, if if you go to arbitration, you, you know, most I think ninety five percent of the guys probably settle outside the room or right before it goes down. We actually went through with it, so that was a little annoying because I was the only guy that year, and I just didn't feel like I was maybe being valued or whatever. So. Uh, I gave Joe a call separately after before the award or the arbitration was, you know, was going to come out and kind of gave it to him a little bit. And then we were able to settle it on the phone. So I think we could have probably avoided all that had we not uh, let other people get in the middle. Isn't that crazy too? Like if you just called them from the beginning, you wonder if it ever yeah. would have happened. Yeah, I, I know, know agents have their job, but you know what I mean? It's just like no, totally, some sort you, of difference. Yeah. You take out the, the middleman. Yeah. You take out the middleman and then you get to it, but there's also, you know, I wonder how much pressure going through the arbitration and then actually, you know, we both, neither of us know what's going to happen. So then it was kind of, we were fighting over not a ton of money. So it was uh, maybe that pushed it to the point where he was like, okay, fine. But yeah, i, I I always think it's at this point in my career, I like to talk to GMs and, and kind of get on the phone and just see where, where you're at in negotiations. I think that, you know, taking out uh, the middleman sometimes is a, a good thing. Who was the comparable that just put you over the edge? Oh, I'm not going to say. It's like in Whitney and Edmonton four years <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I it seemed like that played. was the one thing that really ticked you off. Like you saw a certain name and you're like, you well, I think that I was, this is a I fucking think- comparable. Joe, you call him on the phone. You're like the guy's in the coast now, Joe. <laughs> I was I was running like 50, 60 points a year there. And I think the guy he was comparing me to had like, I don't even know if he'd hit 20. And I was like, this is not close. The guy's even playing on the power play. Like, I don't know. It was uh it was interesting, but a long, long, long time ago, long forgotten. Between you and McKinnon, like was there things he was teaching you that was advancing your offensive game to like even another level? Like, what were you guys doing to gain that chemistry? Because you just mentioned one of those big years you had. You were almost a point a game. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a fun year. I broke my hand, unfortunately, and um, kind of cut my season short. But, yeah, just, you know what I found with Nate? He was, like, he's so good, obviously. And But I, I found him, like, as a teammate, he's predictable. You know, like, he would – he just knew what he was doing. He was either going to toast a guy one-on-one or I was a righty, he was a righty. So if he didn't have a step on him, he'd pull up and look for the late guy. And 
Um, you know, I was usually that late guy. They played me lots with him. So I was kind of following him up, anticipating what he was going to do. And yeah, we just, and then, you know, his work ethic, I'd be on the ice well, well before practice, well after practice, working one timers, working on our hands and everything. And it was just, uh, you know, it was fun growing up or, you know, not growing up, but, you know, growing with the guy and being on that team and, and then watching our team get better and, you know, being a big part of that with them. And we just, you know, we were always working on our game and that was probably where the chemistry came from. And, you know, we were at dinner every night and, and having fun too. So, uh, I don't know if it was anything crazy, nothing, nothing too crazy. Nice. Of course, Colorado ended up trading you to uh, Toronto. Were you, were you bummed out? Were you pissed off? Did you have a sense it was coming with the contract stuff and Kale McCaw coming up? I broke yeah. the trade. <laughs> yeah, you did. did you biz? <laughs> buddy, we were at the yeah. local in, in Victoria, our buddy yeah. Zinger's place. And he goes, he comes, he takes a phone call, comes back to the table. He's like, I just got traded to the Leafs. And I'm a Leafs guy, so I was fucking pumped. I'm like, hey, can I break it? And he's probably like, bro, I just got traded. Like, let me let me absorb it. Oh, I didn't, I didn't I the care, camera out. That was all good. No, I was. I, I kind of knew the writing was on the wall. I think I almost got dealt to Vancouver at the draft, and then that fell through. And so I knew, I knew there was a chance. And like I've mentioned before, like I skated with Kale. He came and joined us in the playoffs that year. And like I knew right away, I think – we were doing like that drill and uh, pregame skating. Most teams do it. It's like forward sentence, the D to D and then up. And just the way he, the way he moved and he just fired the puck. And then he was like halfway through the neutral zone. And I was like, what the hell was that? I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? And then he, you know, he came in and played right away and he scored his first game and just, you know, kind of dominated right off the hop. So writing was on the wall there for me. And uh, it, it was, it was all good though. And then, you know, going to Toronto was, that was a whole different animal for me i'd played in one organization never played in canada uh, me and babs didn't exactly get off on the right foot there so it was a it was a tough opening stretch for me in toronto but i mean amazing guys there. love they got me through a lot and uh good crew do you think it was more like he expected more defensively i mean like i i always wonder like what what off the hop does something to something like that go sideways you know like i know he could be a complete prick that's part of it yeah i think uh well, I, just, I don't know. I don't want to sit here and bag on Babson because, you know, no, I, could I, know. Have played, I could have played a lot better too, but I think, you know, first phone call, you know, I just got traded as July one. I'm still trying to, you know, pick up the pieces. I'm, I'm still figuring out what's going on. And, you know, he's like happy to have you, but we got a lot to work with, you, you know, we got a lot to work on with you. And like, it wasn't really like a, it's July 1st, just, I like would yell, just like yell the, at me first day. Of camp, yeah. Like, like, Hey, let me know what I missed my box out or whatever. And then, <laughs> you know, after that, I went in and, uh, you know, they already had, you know, Morgan Riley, I think had close to 80 points a year before he was running their first power play. And, you know, it just wasn't really a, a good fit for me. I didn't really know what my role was on the team. And I was kind of, you know, second unit and wasn't that, you know, I just didn't really have a, a defined role. And, um, you know, that was, that was new for me. So I was trying to figure it out and obviously, uh, laid an absolute egg my first 20 something game. So, um, apologize to the Leaf faithful for that, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it, it definitely picked up after Kiefer came in. Kind of a, a sign to people that don't get the mental aspect of things. Like, yeah, you didn't start off great, but you can never say it doesn't have something to do with maybe just feeling under the gun and feeling under this different type pressure from a coach. You know, it's just like if you had different conversations leading in, who knows, maybe the first 20 games you played great. There's just so much more that goes into it. I think that fans don't necessarily always think about. Yeah. And you know, you're getting a, you changed teams for the first time. And I had uh, Colin Wilson got traded from Nashville where he'd been his whole career to Colorado. And, you know, I got really tight with him and he was just like, he's like, man, he's like, I've seen guys get traded and come in and blah, blah, blah. He's like, I didn't know how hard it was. 
you know, I've been in Nashville my whole life. I got here and I just like, I'm the man of Nashville. I know everybody like blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, nah, I'm just like, I'm just swimming out here. So he told me that and I didn't really understand it until I got traded. And then I went to Toronto and I'm used to, you know, kind of being the guy knowing all the ropes and everything. And then I'm just looking around for help, you know? So it's a, uh, it's a weird thing getting traded for your first time. And, um, but yeah, it's gotta be a, you know, you gotta, you gotta play and, and do your thing, but definitely having the right fit and uh, feeling comfortable goes a long way. Was Babs at least fair with you? Like uh, when you didn't get off to the great start or was he kind of treading water himself or he was kind of under the gun too, right? I don't know how honest I can be, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I know he really liked Nas as a player and I don't know if I was the guy he would have brought in. I don't know where he saw me fitting into that lineup and didn't, uh, didn't go as planned for either of us there. So um, it was a, it was a tough start, no doubt, but yeah, I think he definitely tried in the way that, that he could to, to make it work. And uh, we got into it a few times, but uh, maybe for, maybe for another episode. Tyson was uh, Toronto as much of a fishbowl as you anticipated, or was it even worse? Like the environment every day with 9,000 cameras and mics every day. Yeah, it was, it was kind of what I expected, you know, like, but it, it, I mean, there's definitely a lot there. Like now I'm playing in Edmonton and it doesn't, it uh, doesn't feel, you could feel the pressure there. They just want to win so bad. And it's been so long and such a, you know, it's a tough city to lose. And no doubt those guys take a lot of heat and, um, but man, if you could ever win in that city, it would be absolutely insane. So th- there's good and bad that come with it, but it was, it's a, it was definitely a, a stark contrast coming from Colorado. What about Matthews and Marner? Did you feel bad for what they would have to deal with? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, even look at the beginning of this year, they, they got off. I think they were like five and five and just got absolutely <laughs> torched there. And now look at them. They're buzzing again. So. By us. Yeah. No, yeah, no, I was defending them. I said it was a nothing bird. Oh, yeah, Biz said they're going back-to-back cup titles, so I forgot about that. See, that's uh, – I mean, it's just such a big market, and those guys are big names. They're amazing players, and uh, they just want to win there. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm rooting for them on, on, out of the East, and uh, it'd be fun to play them in the playoffs maybe. Didn't Matthews introduce you to Bieber? Yeah, yeah, he did. What was that like? Oh, it was great. Biebs was great. He's uh, – yeah, he called me like – so he had uh, – we had – we call him Big Tony. We had Matthews and uh, Tyler Ennis uh, over for Christmas morning, and then the next, or like that night, he's like, "Hey, would you, uh, do you want to go to Beebs' place tomorrow?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And he's like, "Well, he's like, yeah, they did ask me if like I'd want to go hang out. He's doing working on a little uh, documentary thing, and they want me to swing by." And he's like, "I don't really want to go by myself." So uh, me and Marns went with them, and. Um, yeah, that was a that was a crazy experience. But I mean, Beebs was such a such a sweet guy, and his wife Haley opened the door when we got there. We were just standing there. She's like, "Hey, I'm Haley. Like, come in. Justin's out back." And we go out there, and he's like decked out in this big parka, like shooting a music video and shit. And we we're like, "What is going on right now?" And that first thing he does, he sees Martin's. He starts chirping Martin's. He's like, "Holy shit, Martin! Skip leg day much?" Like, he was great. That's awesome. Yeah, and then we got to we got to hang out with him a few more times after that. And I know that. Uh, Austin, those guys are pretty tight with him now. So uh, he's a good dude. So I, I know you mentioned, you know, you got to play with you, obviously McDavid and Leon now, and you saw McKinnon and Matthews. And I think Matthews, sometimes he's, you know, he's into fashion. He's stylish, like all these things. But all that stuff's kind of a smokescreen when it comes to his on ice and off ice work. Like he's a dog in terms of always trying to get better. Like summers, it's not exactly what it seems like in terms of the lavish lifestyle. It's all hockey for him. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, he's enjoying his life, but man, like he's, he's putting the work in, he's doing everything. He's just, he's running that same program, nutrition, lifestyle, everything. He's, uh, 
he's doing everything he can to to be as good as he can. And and that's, you know, I admire all those guys for that because on any given night, they're all the best player in the world. It's uh, it's pretty special to watch what they're doing. And um, obviously we, we got our guy here and him and Leon are outrageous too. So um, I've been very fortunate to play with a couple of good players. Pad the stats a little bit. Have you ever been in McDusty's hot tub? Uh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you, I, I, I don't, I gotta, I gotta be honest. I don't watch a ton of the pods or anything, but I've heard you've got like an obsession with Dusty's hot tub. He no, says nobody's invited there. This just brings down the Oilers, dude. Don't let, what don't do you let mean? No, I, I think I asked well, him. You gotta, we'll, we'll nip this in the butt. You cut that shit out right now because yeah, we've been in McDavie's hot tub. It's a fantastic time. He hosts all the parties. He's a, he's a beauty, man. He's okay. He's great, so so you, you, I, I respect him for not talking about the hot tub on national TV. So it's kind of like this underground thing. You don't talk about much like a speakeasy. Yeah. You, I mean, yeah. If you want to talk about the hot tub, you're going to be in the hot tub. Biz. I don't know if you're getting the invite, buddy. <laughs> oh no. I, I'm banned from the hot tub. Yeah. Yeah. Is, you, you what about, about Wit? It's, it's hot. I'm a Is diehard. Wit, yeah. Wit can come tub. A couple chilly ones. What about RA? Do you want him in the hot tub? <laughs> yeah, all right. All right, can, can sit next to the hot tub in a hoodie. <laughs> hey, he could be the bouncer of bring, the of the, the, the speakeasy. All right, you got to put club. your time in outside yeah. the hot tub, and maybe McDusty will get drunk enough one night to be like, ah, nah, fucking all right, come in the hot tub. I'll, I'll tell you what, though, uh, Ty, like. Biz has been just getting question shamed by us constantly this year, and 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 Dreitzidel and and McDavid are just. They, I think they hate his guts after the question this guy asked. You should see. You got to watch the McDavid interview when he asked about being a goal scorer. Basically, like he shits in Biz's face. No, no. Let me ask you this: Did he say anything about uh, in training camp about having a different mindset going into the season? Like, did he say, "Fuck it, boys, I'm not passing as much and giving you fuckers as many backdoor tap-ins. I'm taking shit into my own hands this year and I'm snapping it more." Yeah. Did you have him mic'd up? That's exactly what he said. <laughs> no, I, I think Davey's making an effort to shoot more and score some That's goals. That's what and, I'm saying. Uh, I, he might be, but I mean, I don't think he gets enough credit for his shot. He's a uh, he's a sneaky sneaky good goal scorer and you know he doesn't have the big one-timer but i mean you see he can beat a goalie from anywhere i asked if he had a different mindset coming into the year because i think his career high is 44 and he was on pace for 82 so i thought it was a pretty good question and this fucking idiot likes to shame me just like the rest of the donkeys well what no it's just that? mcdavid he's like uh no i've scored 40 <laughs> before i could score as like it was just like so disgusting the way he looked yeah, it was like a I look think, of uh, just shame and biz did he mention know, anything did, to you no he didn't he didn't mention anything to me biz sorry ty when you first signed with edmonton uh you were a ufa but you signed a one-year deal were you kind of leery about just signing a one-year deal or was kind of betting on yourself type of thing yeah for sure um you know there was a couple other things out there but i was just looking at you know, I'd been to Toronto where it wasn't a great fit and I was just looking for fits. You know, I wanted to be in a spot where I would be utilized properly. And, um, you know, Edmonton just, it was, it was just bounced out, you know, that was the spot. And, um, they had some cap space things going on. We were in the middle of the panty there and just, you know, the one year was, uh, it was definitely a bet and, um, I'm, I'm glad it was uh, able to work out. And I mean, to come in and, and be able to put, run the power play with the, the group we have here was uh it was a no-brainer like i could give just little outlet passes behind the net over to the half there's like call those, I call those an apple mcdavid apples they don't even count i don't the fans don't count <laughs> then i, I didn't get any points them. in my career because they were all crosby uh malkin apples 
exactly. when you're on the bench when you're on the bench by the time the puck goes in yeah yeah no i'm uh, i got a good gig here so those are called the uh, mcdavid apples they don't count uh, they show up on the score sheet but um yeah he's uh he's incredible in terms of this year like obviously some inconsistency with the oilers and not having canes huge but last night i watched in vegas like I feel like it was huge for you to go into the third up four three, and then that's how the game ended. Like had to be a, a pretty big feeling for your group in terms of like holding a lead in that building and getting that win, right? Massive. That's a that's a tough building. Um and we came out, had a great start. They, you know, battled too. And uh to hold a lead like that in a in a building like that was a that was big for us. I mean, we're, we're starting to play a little better. We had a good road trip there, and hopefully we're just uh, onwards and upwards here. So I've I've heard a couple um funny clips of, of this cost and doing interviews. I think it was on 32 thoughts with Elliot and Jeff and, and he's played so well with you guys. Is he just, he actually reminds me a little bit of Zadorov the way he does interviews. Maybe it's cause they're, they're both Russian, but he's brought a lot of life to the team. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Clem, we call him Clem Dross. He's been awesome. Uh, <laughs> he's, I mean, he's, he's fucking super talented, big boy. He'll fight. He hits. He's, I mean, super impressive. And then uh, a great guy off the ice too. He's just, Loving life, living it, and um, we're we're lucky. Uh, we're lucky to have him. I haven't Clint, seen. I haven't seen. I heard Clint one of the interviews. Yeah, Clint Dross. As I in Lind Dross. Yes. Yeah, Biz. So, <laughs> well, I'm. Just, hey, fuck! I'm just asking for the dummies at home who, who might not have gotten it. Not yeah, everybody's yeah. the biggest hockey fan who listens to the podcast. I dumb True. things down here, people. Thank yeah, you. That's what we love about you. No, Clem's great. And uh, I, I think yeah, he was like I think maybe a reporter or someone tripped one of the guys on our team, and then he just kind of gave it to him and like in an interview after and the boys were just loving it, but I haven't seen anything else that he's, that he's been doing, but he's a funny guy. You're the guy who goes like six nicknames deep. Uh, what's McDavid's nickname on the team? What do you call him? Uh, I call him McDavy, Al- uh, Alfonso McDavy. Cause when the, <laughs> the team Canada soccer was going on, yeah, we got a couple good ones. Okay. Who's, what do you call Leon? <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't make it will make any sense to you guys. Say it. We need to it know. I want. Biz tried fucking... starting a cologne company with the guys, so anything Grinelli, will make yeah. sense. Grinelli, get the whole fucking list of the team. We're going through the whole team and what? <laughs> you know, give us Leon, please. <laughs> Call him Brinny, but that won't make any sense. So Brinny, Brinny, yeah. Uh, okay. What about Nuge? Nuge is the only guy I played with that's still there. So any, yeah. any good, or is it just Nuge? No, he gets Nuggles. He gets. Uh, <laughs> we got. Uh, they put like this horse racing thing up and it was like, they nicknamed everybody like, in, in, you know, when we're playing and the fans are like each, each fan or section gets a horse and they they had, his horse was like Nugent Hoofkins. So we call him Hoofkins or I don't know. It's, Nugs, Nugs is an easy one to work with. You can go any direction on that one. Give us a couple more. People at home might be kind of like, questioning why we're laughing at this but i would say this is something i miss in terms of being on a team oh, it's just random yeah. nicknames and then and, and they're just like every time you hear it you end up laughing so that's why we're laughing so hard. i could yeah, spend the next that. 45 minutes getting every player you play with <laughs> nickname and i'd be fucking dying yeah do you call mark do you know they call martin the pea shooter why why just because he's a little pea shooter <laughs> <laughs> just a little guy fires what, the was it matthews you said you called tony yeah big tone why? Just because Tony, he, I don't know. Like, Tyler Ennis gave him that because his, his name spelled like A-U-S-T-O-N. And so Enzo thought it was like a weird spelling. So there like, you go. Tone. It just makes yeah. no sense, but makes so much sense at the same yeah, time. It's, it's kind of bossy, though. Big Tony. Yeah, big it, Tony. Fits too. it fits for the big tone. Do you give him the wrist too? the big Tony? 
<laughs> sure. <laughs> were they doing the water bottle bukkake when you were there? When everybody comes in the room and they all put water in their face? No, but I'm not sure I did anything wor- worthy of the water bottle bukkake while I was there. So, <laughs> no, Babs gave you one, but it was acid. <laughs> no, it was a waterboard. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I need you to box out. Yeah, yeah. Put the put the fucking electrical and the nipple clamp things. <laughs> To guys bust Connor's balls about those socks we've been seeing all over the place. Lately. Yeah, what the hell is the story with those? Yeah, I mean he he's had a few pairs over the years. So there's uh, but like I mean he's obviously wearing socks for way too long. I think the company stopped making them and he loves the way they don't slide in his skates or whatever. So um, hopefully the hopefully the company can reboot and get him some new socks. Um, what do you call Paul Yarvi? What's his nickname? Oh, the Bison King. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I stick, just... Okay, you guys stick with the Bison King. Bison head, uh, yes, uh, what I don't know, whatever. So interestingly enough, like you know, it, it hasn't been the easiest goal for him, and and he came out this year and had some really open and honest comments, like maybe I'm not good enough for this league. Like, do you know if any of the, I don't know if you did or any of the guys talked to him after that came out, or is it more just kind of let a guy you know go and be himself, or is somebody trying to pick him up after that stuff came out? Yeah, I mean, I definitely had some good chats with him over the you know last nice. year or so. We've gotten a little tighter and. Um, you know, hockey is such a game of confidence and some nights it feels so easy and some nights it's, it's near impossible to play. So uh, we love Jesse. He's such a good, good kid. And um, I think he's starting to find his way here a little bit and uh, you know, we're rooting for him. So uh, yeah, you know, it's tough when, when you kind of get a snapshot into a guy's, you know, kind of psyche and what he's thinking. And um, you know, we, we knew a bit of that uh, from just chatting with him and, and having some beers. So uh but I think he's uh, he's coming around. Have you met Jack Campbell's cats yet? Uh, I'm like really allergic to cats, but no, I haven't met Major Buds yet. Got two? <laughs> I thought he only had one. I only saw him no, walking one two. with a leash. Oh, geez. What do you make <laughs> of having a teammate with a cat or cats? I, I mean, I love soup. Soup's the man. So uh, I think it's just like super on brand for him to have a couple of cats. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's soupy. Of course he walks his cat. Uh, Tyson, after that, Dave Tippett left. You guys brought in Jay Woodcroft. Uh, what was it about him that the team responded to right away so well? You guys like kind of fight, come firing out of the gate when he joined the team. Yeah, he just came in and, and gave us like a ton of just like no like no no gray area structure. You know, this is what we're asking of you. This is what you're, is expected of you. You know, if you're in this situation, this situation, this is your job. And that I think was lacking a little bit with uh, the other guys where it was kind of, it was a little more free play and um, you know, Connor and Leon would just kind of buzz around and win us games a lot of nights. And uh, this was definitely more of a team kind of structured game, which really benefited us. I'm looking at the roster. It's like, there's some young guys too. I watched that McLeod, that kid could skate like the wind and, I mean, hallway, it's, it seems like there's guys who, as the season's gone on, they're getting a little better and better. And when, the inconsistency has been part of the first half. It, it, it To me, it looks like it, the, the second half is when you guys are, should, should be able to take off. I know that's how it went last year, too. I mean, you guys know it's not easy to be young in this league. And, you know, I my third year in the league, I got sent down for six games, still trying to find my way. I mean, Hollywood's, you know, played 40 games or whatever. Clowder's, you know, finding his way still. And But you can see it the last few games, they've been, you know, buzzing. They've been really good for us. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of, those are the kind of guys you need if you want to, if you want to hoist it. So I think, uh, I think we've got a great roster and, and we're kind of setting up nice here. We're starting to play better and 
you know, we've had some great chats in the room and we're doing a couple of things differently and it's, you know, it's paying off for us. Is is Mark Stewart part of that coaching staff? Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah is he great. on the bench or no? Yeah. Yeah. He's on the bench. He's uh he's our face-off guy. Kind of runs through all the team's face-off plays. And then, uh, yeah, he's on the bench. He's got his iPad. I'm not sure. So, what he's so doing I with played it, with he's, Stewie he's, for a little bit. Um, a, a part of the national program. That kid was a beast. Is he still fucking built like a refrigerator? Exactly that. It's yeah. Crazy. He's just, shredded yeah big old head on him he's just jacked have you turned uh the younger guys into winos i know you like your wine yeah i do like a nice nice red uh i mean no not not you know not uh not trying to turn anybody into a, an alcoholic here so uh <laughs> just uh you know nuge, nuge really likes his red too of course he does it's those bc guys yeah what kind of reds know. It's a lifestyle. Oh, I like everything. We'll get uh, kind of a box scent with just all different stuff and try new stuff, go to different regions. If it's red, it's dead. That's your motto, basically. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you played, like you mentioned earlier, you play with Nate, you play with Austin, you play with Connor at different times. What's something maybe off ice all those guys have in common? They're obviously three different personalities. But, like, is there one thing, that one trait that they all sort of share maybe? Yeah, I think what I said earlier about the, just the, what they're what they're doing the, the sacrifices they make, you know, whether it's a night out or, you know, you go for lunch and they're eating a salad with not like, it's just, you know, it doesn't look like a ton of fun and they're making the sacrifices <laughs> to make sure that they're ready to play. And, um, but yeah, they're all super different personalities. Each, each one of them's, you know, different people, but that's definitely the one thing they all have in common. So, Obviously it's, it's paying off for all three of them. And, and since the last time we talked, I mean, you're, you're a dad now, right? So have you found it almost easier to enjoy the game like going home to is it your son yeah yeah, Leo. yeah so it, you know what i'm saying like it must like it just kind of changes perspective a little bit i'm guessing i never had kids when i played I, looking back now though i feel like i would have enjoyed the game a little bit more having a kid at home to go to yeah it's i mean it changes you know i guess it changes your whole life and just kind of your perspective on everything and um yeah you're doing you know you're doing everything for him now and uh yeah. But it, it does. It makes it a lot easier. Like today we have a day off and we're hanging out all morning and um, just you totally forget about hockey. It's uh, it's pretty special. And I'm, I'm lucky I got a, a good thing going here at home and uh, we're having a nice time. By the way, you guys get hosed with the day off being the day that you land at 4 a.m. It's like those day offs. You're like, this doesn't even count. I know I was uh, like, we. I think I went to bed at like 430 and then Leo's up at like 630 and. <laughs> Like, I haven't seen him in a week, so Emma brings him in, and I get to hang with him for like you know half hour, and then I go back to sleep for an hour, and you know I'm a zombie, and I got a fucking spit and chicklets interview at one. So, <laughs> well, you're doing great, buddy. You're you're bringing a lot of laughs. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, taking a look at the standards, Dyson. Obviously, everybody's neck and neck for the for wild card the, uh, divisions and whatnot. You guys almost feel like you're in the playoff mode now, where it, not every night is a must win, but you got you got teams nipping at your heels and shit. Yeah, it's man, it's all year you know like we're we haven't put ourselves in a position yet where we can take a night off like you gotta you gotta rattle off 10 in a row to to not you know feel the pressure so every night you know guys standings are changing and we're yeah we're what are we 37 games left or something like that i don't know but yeah we're we're in playoff mode now it's time to start playing like like we need to and like we're going to in the playoffs when we make it so no nights off we you know these teams that teams that were supposed to to not be good or, you know, not be in a playoff spot or, you know, look at Seattle, look at LA, these guys are, they're going. So there's no nights off. Absolutely. Seattle is such a surprising team. Like I just watched them. They, they dummied the Bruins for their first regulation loss at home. And 
playing against them? What is it? It just seems like they're kind of nonstop coming at you like a fast team, right? Yeah, I don't know. Cause we went in, we went into their barn and kind of pumped them six, two. Yep. And then they come into ours and, you know, we have a good game and yeah, I mean, they're obviously just, like I said, confidence, they're getting some goaltending. They're, 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 they're coming in waves, you know, they're, they've got good structure and they four check hard. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good recipe. Just hard work. Who's, who's rocking the beats in the room. Yeah, I was going to ask who the DJ was. Uh, Nurses, the DJ, uh, the kind of music I listen to doesn't get. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I was the DJ in Colorado. It was a, it was a seriously thankless job, and I was into the, I was into the scene a little bit more back then. So I was up to date on the, you know, the rap and the techno. But now I'm, you're not catching me listening to that. These in my fucking car. young guys, the shit they listen to, it's awful. And you're more it's, of a Pearl Jam. I know you're a big Lumineers guy. In which I was going to ask you about them playing in your backyard this summer. Cause I think you're, you're, you're friends with the lead singer. Yeah. Uh, so he did a charity, uh, event in Victoria and it wasn't my backyard. I wish that place was amazing. It was, uh, a friend's, uh, backyard who let us use, uh, his place for the, the event. But yeah, the Wes is a, a good friend of mine. I met in Denver and, uh, he was nice enough. I called him and asked if he'd be open to playing a little charity gig and, uh, said no problem. And the dates worked out well. So they came in and it was like three, 150 people and i mean they just yeah I'll, I'll forever be grateful to them for for that they played that event like they were at msg and it was just uh, incredible so really fortunate to have uh got to know him and uh he's a all-time good guy well back when you were playing it you were just dropping a vt levels and it was and it was sick and now they're <laughs> well, like dude fire. that ain't it anymore tyson i know well i don't even try anymore it's uh <laughs> and then like, don't get me wrong i like I had my, I had my day. I, you know, I was a big young thug guy, uh, future. I can, I can bang a little bit still, but I don't know, just on a daily, if I get in my car, it's yeah. The, some of the stuff that I'm hearing is just absolutely insane, but I mean, many, I'm just, I'm just getting old, I guess. I don't know. How, how many times have you seen Pearl Jam live? Uh, I've seen Pearl Jam maybe four times. And then I Eddie solo, I think five or maybe four or something like that. So, uh, haven't haven't got to see them in a while since the whole pandemic and then uh, they were touring and dates didn't work out or anything but I'll, I'll get I'll get back out there soon they're inc- they're incredible live I just had one more uh biz last playoffs gets his head shaved what were the guys in the room saying about that when what, what shaved his head in the in the arena guys must have been laughing their ass that was off. bullshit that should have been a goal the Coleman uh quote unquote kick no no that should have been a goal yeah uh I mean, yeah, we were we were pretty focused in the dressing room, but we did we did notice the cul de sac. So that was uh, that was pretty good. <laughs> you guys are you guys are donkeys. It's great, complete goons. But yeah. dude, thanks so much. I know uh, I know it's your day off, and you know you're hanging with the fam. So we appreciate you hopping on. That was that was fun to to kind of go through your entire entire career, and it's 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 continuing to look great. You're having a sick year, so I hope the boys get it going and and go on another little run. Yeah, we will. We will. Well, appreciate you guys having me. Love Always it. a pleasure. Glad me and Grinelli could sort the uh, logistics out there. Tyson, thanks so much. And last one, DJ Nurse. What's his nickname? Oh, the doctor. The doc nurse. Ooh. All right. All right. Words. There you yeah. have it. Oilers fans will be pumped. Okay, guys. All right. See thanks. you, bud. Big thanks for Tyson Barry for joining us on the show yesterday. It was his day off. He was uh, kind enough to give us an hour or so. And what a funny bastard, too, huh, Biz? Oh, yeah. He was tamed during the interview, too. Yeah, it was good. Kept stuff. it on the rails. Hey, you got to think, Canadian media, man. These guys can't come say shit. Yeah. I, he dropped a couple S bombs. Talking to that old Edmonton Oilers loser, Ryan Whitney, dropping dimes on guys on your team. Although the nicknames, 
I was down with the nicknames. Oh, he's a big nickname guy. Like six layers deep. Nickname stories are great, too, because when you explain them, they sound like some of the stupidest things in the world. But if you're a part of that that crew who makes it, it's like it's hilarious. You know? Nuggles. Yeah. Harry Knuckles. Uh, no, Nuggles. Nuggles. Isn't that what Nuggles is? Nuggles? It's like how or the noodles? boys call you uh, Jesus Shuttlesworth, all right? Because you shoot ah, it like Ray Allen. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right, Biz. Well, we got a couple transactions to get to from the last week. Uh, Stevie Y placed another one of his acquisitions on waivers Sunday. Uh, goalie Alex Nadelkovic. He did clear. He recently did a conditioning stint with uh, AHL Grand Rapids. So, would like probably most likely see him again this year. Stevie's getting cutthroat. Everybody's yeah. on fucking waivers these days. Yeah, I think it was a case of hey, if you can, if you want to take him, take him. It'll give us a little bit more cap room. Larkin uh, doesn't sign that contract. He's going to be on fucking waivers soon. The eyes of eyes of plan. <laughs> Uh, what's his face? Nadelkovich in a second year of a two-year, six million dollar deal. He's going to be UFA this summer. He right was now. good last year. Yeah, real good. And uh, Magnus Helberg, he's taking over the number two role. Uh, he's only making seven hundred fifty thousand dollars too. So uh, that probably factors in. Uh, the Bruins extended forward Pavel Zaka with a four-year, nineteen million dollar deal. Carries a four point seven five million dollar cap hit. He's got 25 points in 42 games before today, which I think he had three or four points today. He's bounced around the lineup. Swiss Army Knife does whatever Monty asked him to. Uh, he was third on the team in 5-1-5, scoring with 19 points heading into today. And he's just the sixth Boston forward signed beyond the season with Marchand, Hall, Coyle, DeBrusque, and Greer. Uh, Zaka, is this a number you thought he'd come in at? Or a little high, a little low? What do you think, I think this is a great number for, for the team and, I mean, for him. No, he makes what? What? What is it? It's eighteen million, whatever it is. Probably not ending up as the player uh, the Devils, Devils, or the league's thought when he was picked so high. But still, what a career he's made in terms of being like Mister Reliable. Like you say, you could put him anywhere, and he's made a difference with the Bruins this year. I think they're a much better team with him as opposed to Eric Halla, and because of that, you see him rewarded with the deal. So he's just somebody that I think Montgomery throws out on the ice and knows exactly what he's getting defensively, and then when he's able to chip in offensively, I didn't know he was third in the team scoring five on five. That's just a solid player right there. This Absolutely. is very interesting to hear because you guys watch him a lot more closely than me. I listen to. Pasha and I believe Pasha's an idiot. I believe Grinnell also. I wish he was here to defend himself. Grinnell thought Halla like they was a first line NHL. I I think I think they were critical of Zaka saying he might have a a flare up where he you know four or five games he looks incredible and then he he may disappear for ten. Is that the case or you think he's been Mister Reliable, Mister Consistent? He's not needed as like Devils fans needed him or thought he would be in terms of the offensive guy that's going to get 70, 80 points in Boston. I, I haven't noticed that because they don't really need him to be this monster offensively. But, so didn't they have him playing a, a lot with Pasta and, and Krejci? Yeah, yeah he's they, been with them. They but he what, play power play, really. So he's just the he what he's the puck hound guy. He's good on the half wall. He's good defensively too. Good and good defensively. Okay, so not it's not just the points thing is what he's no, adding. He's, he's adding a little bit of everything. Player. So Pasha's yeah. a moron with the analytics and the points, and he's a bit of a point whore. So he doesn't think he's a good player. Yeah, Pasha's okay. just all about the cookies, dude. You know, if a guy doesn't get two goals, Pasha's like, oh, he played like shit. I'm like, uh, we're talking about a defensive defenseman, Pasha. Okay, yeah, well, man. I'm glad you guys are happy with the signing. I was getting bad intel on on Zaka. No, that's because you got it from Pasha. And he, he could play center or either wing. And plus, you know, if Krejci's not back next year, or, or, I don't want to say it, if Bergeron's not back, then, you know, you got a pretty good number two center they could slide in there, get him, you know, at least a consistent position. So either way, nice signing. 
over the weekend, Kevin Weeks, our buddy, reported that Minnie and Matt Boldy were talking discussions for a potential seven-year deal. And lo and behold, the team tweeted out on Monday that Matt Boldy signed a seven-year, $49 million deal. He's got a modified no-trade clause for the last two years. He's got 68 points in 89 career games so far. But uh, wait, I think this is an example of biz. I go to you of a guy we've seen enough to say, all right, this kid's this kid's worth very it. talented. Gonna have worth a bargain it. in a few years. Oh yeah, and he's a yeah he's a big piece of that team moving forward, and just offensively gifted, uh, very fun player to watch, and 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 right around where all these other kids are getting those fucking same deals. So like you said, not next year because I think they were didn't they mention it's only going to go up a million or a million and a half. The year after that, I expect the cap to probably jump up four or five million, and we're going to start seeing climbs like that. This is a fucking steal. He's a fucking hell of a player, Wit. Yeah, he's a hell of a player. I, th- I think he can be a 30-40 goal guy for a long time. His release, how good he is offensively. Not the fastest player in the world, but doesn't really need to be the way he plays, like slippery, and his shot is just sick. Um, it- It's kind of one of those deals where, like, uh, maybe not a fan of the wild. Somebody says, wow, it's a lot of money, but it's all about what you said in terms of like in three years, which isn't even, or basically halfway through his deal, 7 million isn't what 7 million is now. So you just got to remember, like there's probably, I, I, I would be willing to bet, you know, five years from now, you're looking at, holy shit, Boldy only makes 7 million. And, and, you know, very similar to Jack Hughes. I don't know if he'll ever be the point producer that he is, but in terms of goal scoring, we look down the line, he's only 21 years old, 7 million bucks for this guy in five years, I think is going to be a hell of a deal for the wild. Yeah. Happy for him. He's got a lot more money to throw around the golf course now. Carolina sent promising goalie Peter Kuchetkov down to AHL Chicago because Freddie Anderson came off the IR. Uh, he's not subject to waivers, so he was the obvious choice for Carolina to send down. But the kid looks pretty promising. I would be surprised if he spends a lot of time in Carolina. So Another guy they're going to get for cheap because of draft and developing. Hey, the way you can do it. That's the way you want to do it, Biz. Uh, Torts. Torts is sort of becoming a weekly segment as well. Uh, and I don't think he was really in the wrong here. He decided to get rid of the iPads on the bench. Uh, he thought they were distracting to the players. He says, we have a major problem understanding flows of games. That's the biggest reason for banning the iPads. Understanding the flow of game, momentum swings. I think it's so important to learn that even as a young team. So uh, this isn't a grumpy old man thing, is it, Whit? Like he's saying the players. Like, I want this the bench, one. And they I want to look win. all right. Off to, off to you, buddy. Wait, I fucking agree with him 100%. But one of the issues is I believe Travis Konechny, his arguably their best player, he likes having them and going over the shift. So it's like, ah, shit. But I agree with the fact that everybody's got their fucking head buried all the time and that there is a flow of the game. You got to watch every shift. You got to pay attention to what's going on out there. Do it in between periods. I think the fucking tablet thing has brought it way too far. And now, and now I think another thing he said is now you're also in your own head about the mistake that you saw and you're getting it, you're seeing it. So instead of thinking about your next shift and, 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 and the momentum shift in the game, you're concerned yourself with your, what you're watching. So I, I am fully on board with torts on this one. I don't agree with a, a, a half of what he does. I agree with this. I see both sides. I mean, it, it, he's kind of acting like they're playing Fortnite on the bench. Like, I mean, it's all about seeing what just happened and, for me, I look at it like, oh, my God, like I had so much time there. Next time, I'll probably have similar t- type of time and space. Also, I, I mean, going into today, I don't know when he banned him, but going into the Bruins game today, I think they'd won seven of eight. So it's like, I, I do know what he means, though, in terms of now when you watch the, the broadcast and they, they pan to the bench, 
every guy is looking down at his last shift and with his line mates and going over a certain play that maybe a winger thought that he was more open than he was. And the center is able to show him on the video that he wasn't. So I think if you ask players who would be the the main guys I'd want to talk to is like, yeah, this has really helped me. I know you mentioned connect me. I see Marshawn on, on it all the time. There's definitely an argument for both sides. Um, I think just because it's torts, it, it, it makes the news. But if he's able to see guys not noticing things happening when they're not on the ice and only looking into their shifts and possibly seeing a mistake they made again, which can then mess with you mentally, I understand it. But I think if you talk to most guys, they probably really enjoy using it. And as a line and as a defensive pair, you can really go over things that maybe you thought looked completely different in real time. And you realize again, like, wow, I had way more time than I thought. So there's definitely a positive negative to both. I would say the biggest thing is if you're looking down on it, you're not able to, you know, yell to a guy, he's got time or yell to a guy to skate with it. And in a sense, like you can help a teammate on the ice so much from the bench. And if your head's buried in the iPad, that's going to change a little bit. I just don't know if the positive of realizing what you did and, and a mistake you made <laughs> and how easy it is to correct it overweighs that. Stick, stick, stick. You hand on the iPad. Fuck. Oh, no, come <laughs> Maybe limit the screen time. Like, like you only get to watch a certain amount of shifts and then your iPad shuts off. You got to <laughs> think of something. Are they going to be on there playing fucking Fruit Ninja, especially the Philadelphia Flyers? What a game Fruit Ninja was. Jesus, when I used to slice six in a row, I'd just come in my <laughs> pants. Twitch obviously does not care what people think. He said, quote, uh, I don't give a flying shit of how I'm perceived. I really don't. Like, I uh, just love, love the quotes. We know. We, we, we understand that, Torts. Yeah. So, yeah, I, he's in the right here. They are distracting the guys and get him the fuck out of there. Guys played hockey for how long? How can you say he's in the right and they're distracting the guys already? You haven't even talked to one player. What, 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 what I, I think I, is funny is you mentioned the win streak they're on and, and, and the fact that all of a sudden now he decides to do it. You know, he just got to be upset about something. The NHL was around for a long time before tablets were. I, I get they can be useful, but I don't I think, yeah, he thinks they're causing a problem or guys are looking at him too much and, you know, making it harder for them to forget about their last shift because they're t- looking at the pad, getting reminded of it. Yeah, I think I think it's the, the not the best move for every team, but in this situation, yeah. Look at how look how long the league did not have them. And the league and look at successful. how good the, the league is now. Look at how All right, I'm with you. Anti-technology. Let's go anti-technology. It's just funny hearing R.A., Ooh. who's probably on his phone nine hours a day, saying there's too much <laughs> screen time involved in the National Hockey League. No, I, I went down five hours this week. I got the thing. I, oh, I want to fucking get rid of that thing anyways. Yeah, you were outside uh, shooting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wah, wah. Was that, oh, <laughs> oh, that's gonna be like every day of my life on the internet now. I, I've been, that I've been was that years. was a good one. I mean, it was like it was actually like the Doctor Pepper kids. You know when they do the halftime Doctor Pepper throw yep. for like a scholarship, <laughs> and the one kid you feel so bad, you're like, oh my god, dude, it was like that was him shooting hoops in the North yeah, End. But you that, hit that game winning three. Yeah, it's like this guy deserves to be buried in debt the way he's throwing that. <laughs> Fuck your college tuition. You ain't yeah. getting shit from Dr. Pepper. We'll see what Go happens. Go to the doctor the to fix your arms, buddy. Where were we? Uh, we were going to Friday night in Montreal. The Canadians had a tribute to P.K. Subban before their 4 3 win over the Preds. Uh, it was just a real nice thing. They had a ceremony, I guess you'd call it. Carrie Price come out. They did their little low high five thing. Uh, he brought one, a, a young patient from one of the, ho- the hospital up there that he supports. Uh, and I get the impression, Biz, the fans never wanted to see him leave. I mean, they loved him no. up there. It was all the front office and, uh, you know, uh, locker room fucking diva bullshit. Not calling him a diva, just uh, all the click stuff that was going on. But it was nice, I think, for him and the fans to finally get that sense of closure they never got. 
That's why the burger van was public at public enemy number one for like a year or two there. Cause, cause he got rid of PK and he he's beloved there and what he did for the community and just how he interacted with the fan base. He was like the face of the Montreal Canadians for a little while there. So uh, great to see the return. His outfit was spectacular. The low five to end it with Carey Price, cherry on top, keep the change. And I believe they ended up beating, who, who'd they beat? It was a big win. Didn't they have a big yep. win? Four, three over the Preds. There you go. Yeah, Preds are struggling. We talked about them, but just an overall great night. And boys, I stick by what I said. I think all the rest of you who disagree with me are going to be morons. He will be in the Hockey Hall of Fame one day. The best part was, well, no, the best part was how he had, I think it was, was her name Mila? He had a girl on there and, you know, he, he did so much off ice for sick kids, for the hospital, for so many different people. Uh, That was something that he was known for an amazing kind of legacy he has in terms of like helping others away from the ice. He talked about, I wasn't a hockey player. I was a guy who played hockey. So he had her on there and the whole crowd chanted her name. But then when he finished and, and, Price came on the ice and they did their their triple low five celebration that ironically enough, I think Terry and banned them from doing at one point when he was coach <laughs> of the Canadians. No more. No more winning with triple high five, triple low five. So they did that and the crowd loved that. Price looked phenomenal in his cowboy hat. And um it was cool because I I the Canadians, they didn't they never really got to see him. Um, play what his last game would be in Montreal because he retired suddenly. So they got to give him a proper send off. And I don't know about the Hall of Fame. We'll see if the number gets retired. I doubt that too, but I think you're crazy, Biz. That game had a hell of a scrap too. Wi-Fi and Genoa. Did you guys catch that? I threw the clip. I saw the highlights of that one. Uh, Pretty good scrap. Uh, The Sabres are going to be having a, a night for Ryan Miller on January 19th. So we will be sure to not talk about the Sabres after that week. We don't want to oh see them go on another fucking slide after what we've mushed the them twice time. this year already. Yeah. It's been, they brutal, had a huge so. game this afternoon against Florida. I think they're tied. They were tied with 44 points, a matinee in Buffalo um, sitting ninth and 10th, just outside the wild card and, and Florida beat them. So that's a tough loss right there. Yep. Well, like I said, we'll keep our mouth shut next week. We don't want to see them lose six, six in a row again. Uh, congrats to David Krejci. He played it in his 1000th game uh, Monday versus Philly today, had three assists through the first two periods. Not sure if you got any in the third, just the seventh Bruin to play 1000 games, uh, a tremendous achievement. And uh, Jack said it's during the air and uh, wait, I don't know if you had the game on, but probably what, one of the most underrated players of the last decade and a half, right? No doubt. I think part of it is, you know, he was always playing behind an all time great in Bergeron, but they don't win in 2011 with, without him. They don't go to the finals in 13 without him, or was it, was it 15, whatever it was against the Blackhawks. And they don't go to the finals against the blues without him. Just one of the classiest guys too off the ice, super friendly, super humble and amazing to think at his age to go back and play a year in check, which is, you know, not one of the top leagues in Europe. I'd say Russia, Sweden, Finland is, are all more competitive and a higher level than the Czech Czech league. And, and he comes back like he never missed a minute. It probably ended up being a great thing for his body, for his mind to get home, be in front of his family. And just to come back this season and be this good, to get three points in your thousandth game. Um, you know, he's an all-time great Bruin. I mean, you look at the history of the Boston Bruins, top 10 players. He's probably right there, I'd say. I think his playoff numbers are even more impressive than yep. regular season, too. So every time in playoffs, he just rises to the occasion. So silky. Yeah, the, like the, the little head fakes, the the subtle 
subtle like shoulder fakes. It's, I mean, he walked through uh, our boy Hayes. He just put it under, under his triangle, flying through the neutral zone that led to a goal today. Um, just so, somebody that's so difficult to play against because you want to line him up and be physical on him, and he's always slithering out of it. And and playing at the level he is now, I think he's 38, maybe 37. It's just a phenomenal career. Yeah, I think he led uh, playoff scoring. The, yeah, they won it 2011. Thomas obviously got the MVP, and I think he was in 2013 as well. Definitely a playoff savant is, is what I'd call him because he, he's he's so good during the regular season and managed to be better in the playoffs. I uh, also want to send congratulations to Chris Bork. Uh, he had his number 17 retired by the Hershey Bears Saturday night, Saturday night. Uh, he played 604 games over nine seasons, won three called the Cups there. Uh, he's fifth in franchise points and the only Hershey Bear to lead the AHL in scoring twice. Uh, you know you know him pretty well, don't you, Whit? I know Borky very well. Close friend and so happy for him. Um, you know, I saw a bunch of pictures. His entire family was there, his brother, his father. Everyone's there watching him get honored the way he should be. And like looking at his career, you know, he, he played in the NHL for a little bit. Um kind of like stuck in the middle of almost too good for the AHL and just never was able to get in that top six role in the NHL and, and, and light it up, lit it up over in Europe as well, had a, just such an amazing career. And the, and, the, and the thing that I think about is it's so hard making it to the highest level. And then you add in that your dad's one of the greatest players of all time. And this kid ends up having the career he did. And, and, a lot of it was a grind. I mean, he's moving over with his two kids, his, his son and his daughter and his wife. They're in Europe for a lot of it. In the AHL, it's the bus rides. It's the grind of dealing with that, that most guys are younger. Most guys are hungry to get to the NHL, where a lot of his time, he knew that's where he was going to be. But an amazing guy, so fun to be around. I'm telling you, one of the funniest people I've ever met, just a great kid. And to be able to have the career he did after your father is one of the legends of all time where you're probably hearing it here and there, like, oh, you're not as good as your dad. Little shit that you know never bothered him. And mind you, I mean, Keith Yandel's told the story. Like, there was a time when, when he was younger. I mean, this is one of the top players in the world when he's 15, 16 years old. He was unbelievable. They went to the Nationals. Taves was there. He outplayed him. Just a super skilled player. Worked his balls off. Hell of a run. I'm so happy for him. I know he's scouting now, I think, for the Maple Leafs. So congratulations, Borky. It's pretty sick. Your number will be in. Fuck, they got, they got him and Matty Molson. They just, they're just taking everybody I think he, I'm pretty sure he's with Toronto. But he, uh, it's cool because Hershey's, Hershey's, you know, one of the, the, the greatest organizations in the, the AHL. London Knights with the, of the AHL. Yeah, with the, with, the, with the teams they've had and the history they've had and his numbers hanging up there. So really happy for him. Well, they, they were one of the teams that would pay really good veterans to yeah. have around the young guys to teach them. And like, like he was a power pay specialist in the AHL. He was excellent offensively. So and skilled. You, yeah, you want these guys who are coming out of junior who aren't good enough to take that next step to the NHL, learning from a guy like this. And, and Witt, he came up during a time where I don't think younger guys, or not younger guys, smaller guys were being given the opportunity that smaller yep. players are in today's game. So just kind of as far as the timeline goes, but fuck in the AHL, man, he used to take the punishment and, but yet still put up major, major points. And yeah, heck of a career for him, for sure. Speaking of, uh, of nicknames after talking to Tyson Barry, I don't know if you guys have ever met somebody that, that somehow Chris Bork had the ability. He'd give somebody a nickname and it would stick. He, he, you know what I'm saying? Like he would yes. call. So he's the first one to call me witty. I'm witty because of Chris Bork. All of a sudden it was always wit, witter and boom. 
he hits me with a witty and I've been witty ever since to my buddies. Every time he sees me, what's up, witty? So I, I love the kid. He's such a good person and I'm really happy for him. It looked like a special night. The nickname pod. The nickname pod. If I if I lived in Hershey, Pennsylvania, I'd weigh about 325 pounds because I'm a sucker for all that fucking chocolate, man. Yeah, but your basketball camp would be crushing it there. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Joe Sackick was appointed to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Your basketball committee. camp. <laughs> Dana Barrows, the RA camp. Oh, let's make Practice. a fucking trailer video Practice. for your, your basketball. Let's school. make a T-shirt. RA hoop camp. <laughs> we got to tell G. Uh, oh. RA's basketball camp. Just some, just the ball, just completely missing the rim and the backboard. Yeah. It'd be one of those Nerf hoops in the living room, like four feet off the ground, like a Jordan dunk on. Uh, let's see, Sackick, Joe Sackick, appointed to the Hockey Hall of Fame selection committee, replacing Bobby Clack, who retired from the committee. The Harlem uh, Crack Trotters. I got you. I can't. That one came to my brain. I had to let it out. Basketball diaries. I had to let it out. Oh, that's that was the one might have been the funniest fucking quote. Uh, what someone goes, Ari looks like Leo DiCaprio when he was trying to play basketball in the fucking uh, in the basketball diaries. He was all on heroin. He fucking <laughs> shooting the ball all over the place. Uh, I was fucking crying at that. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, let's see. Dallas head coach Pete DeBoer. He's going to coach the central team at All Star Weekend. Uh, this was an interesting tweet from uh, Tim Burke, who goes by at Bubba Prague on Twitter. Uh, he tweets out a bunch of like, TV highlights and stuff. He's real good at it. Uh, he says, a man he has ESPN is considering animated live NHL game broadcasts on Disney Channel tied into one or more of the cartoons on that network and the style of the NFL broadcasts on Nickelodeon. Remember they started airing a couple of years yeah, ago? Yeah, they like slime the end zone on touchdowns. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, obviously it's for kids. You want to get younger kids in the game. I think it's a brilliant idea. I mean, it's not taking away from the uh, the, first, the original airing. They're just adding it to it. And uh, it could be pretty funny. What do, you, what do you guys think, Biz? I love it. I absolutely love it. And, and, and in any way to get kids into the game, like I'm down with, I'm not going to dog any ideas in terms of trying to get the game younger and the viewership at a younger age, because like my son definitely likes sitting and watching games with me, but I know for a fact he would be even more into it if it was Disney characters and little things that maybe a kid who never would watch a game ever and never get into hockey, maybe for some way, somehow he falls in love with these once a month or one, one twice a month broadcast with Disney to make hockey fun and then ends up wanting to play. And then someday plays in the NHL. It's like, <laughs> it's a pipe dream thinking about it, but there's no way I'm going to sit there and dog any idea when it involves getting younger kids into the you game. Think, because you think, Mick, you think Mickey's going to be snapping it tape to tape enough to get Ryder on the, the hockey wagon. Imagine if they make Mickey just a, First pass NHL defenseman. I got the same ears as him. Just, just Chris Pronger is fucking hacking guys in front of the net. Donald, just Donald out. the Duck is just snapping a Sherwood over someone's neck. You're like, uh, <laughs> I'm okay with that. RA. No harm, no foul. Like what said. And if it gets more people involved, get them in the mix. Like, but, but did they have analytics on the the Nickelodeon experience? Did more people watch those games? who weren't football fans. He didn't share. It was just one tweet. He didn't like, there wasn't like a story or whatever, but you know, I'm, I'm assuming those fucking shows did numbers. I mean, people are watching them. I think a lot of adults are watching too, just for the curiosity factor, but I love to see it too. Plus when you look at how many characters Disney owns now, I mean, they own fucking every IP out there. So there's so many different characters from different movies and shows that they could use that, you know, could make it pretty interesting. So I don't know, see what happens. Keep you updated. 
Uh, let's see. Chris Crema, uh, he runs the at Sport Logos Net uh, account. Reported that the flying skate logo has been spotted at the NHL's international shop, indicating the Vancouver Canucks are going to bring it back. That's the one from the uh, late 70s, early 80s, the one that pa- uh, Pavel Barewa, you know, the flying skate, the black, orange, red. Pretty, pretty cool Lyle logo. What do you think? Would you like the that jersey one? that they went to the finals against the Rangers in? Yes, 94. Yep. Oh, bring that thing back immediately. I love that. I love that jersey. The colors are different. Nobody else has anything like it. Maybe that'd be the first switch if I was in charge of Vancouver. Bring those jerseys back. Get rid of the whatever it is, blue, green color yeah. scheme they're rocking Johnny out. Johnny Canuck, whatever. Yeah, I'm not crazy about those ones either. Uh, also, Biz, your boys are getting a new uniform or a new jersey as well. Uh, let's see. Aesthetics, they're another account that's on top of these uh, you know, uniform and jersey. Did re- they leak uh, it already? Yeah, it's been out there. It's uh, got Arizona on, on the front there, you know, the desert college. But what I noticed is the moon here, I think it's uh, the moon is actually the C for captain, if I'm not mistaken. There's like a quarter moon where the, where the C for a captain would go. I think that's going to serve as the C for the captain whenever they use these jerseys. Have you, yeah, the he'll be the, he'll be the only one with a, the quarter moon. A, a fashion I, that, designer, uh, Ruigi, designed them. Um, so, fuck, they're not supposed to come out till till tomorrow. This airs Tuesday. It's Monday right now when we're recording, but they're not supposed to air till till Wednesday. So the fact that you told me that these things got broke, I mean, I guess uh, they wasted a good surprise on me, I guess. Yeah, uh, check them out. They're pretty good. I, uh, I don't know. I, I like that they're doing this. Mixing new, Did you new see them with? No, I haven't. I didn't even know about this. Yeah, they're, uh, one of the, the late links in the outline. Uh, there's a funny clip going around. Uh, the Kelowna Rockets visited a elementary school, and they were talking about books or whatever, and I guess they were asking the players what books do you like. And uh, this kid, Jackson D'Souza, I don't know if the mic was live through the whole arena, but the clip they sent, he's like, I, I don't read, but I can't say that. And he's like, my favorite book's Harry Potter. And they're like, yay! Like, <laughs> the fucking hilarious. Like, I can't say that. I can't read. They got him there to do like a read workshop with all these kids. So I don't know if the audio, the whole kids could hear it, but he just threw ha- Harry Potter out. I guess when in doubt, go Harry Potter, huh? How the fuck did this make the outline? I, I said it I before if you want to do it. So I, he says I, to I, the kids, I can't say this. I don't read. Well, he, he like whispered. He's like, I don't read, but I can't say that. So I don't know if the kids heard him whisper. And then he's like, my favorite book's Harry Potter and like a loud voice. And they, and they cheered after. But it is funny if they hear him say, I, I don't read. I, mean, I can't say that right into a microphone so everybody can hear them say it. Yeah, I went and I, did a reading, um, read to, you know, whatever, second, third graders in Pittsburgh. And one of the kids said to me, I don't remember if it was like during the reading or after. He's like, why do you have a button in your chin? <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. Oh. I don't know. I was born this way, you little puke. Get out of my face. Oh, God. Never I, used to, to I used to dread public reading. Yeah, because you can't read. Oh, I used to struggle big time. French or English. <laughs> so, uh, Biz, what, uh, what do we got this week on tap at TNT Games? You got a double head of this I'm week? I'm off. Okay. Myself and Wit are heading to Florida. We're going to be filming a couple Pink Whitney commercials. We cannot divulge any Ooh. more information. Oh, guys, the- Biz wrote the script, though, and it is funny. Well, I, I had a hand in helping write the script. Oh, I know, Rob, I know, I know. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I appreciate the but tire I, pump I think if these you think are that I wrote good. the whole thing. I can't read it, but I wrote it. Fuck me. What happened? Fucking Seattle just made it 2-1. Nine minutes left, looking great. 2 nothing. Great. Fuck. Here comes game 17 of 10-plus players. It's done. After I pump point. your tires, you're going to do me dirty like that? Hairline God fucks me over. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's right. always a sweat. 
Which, uh, can you say what part of Florida you're going to? The Gulf. RA, side I do, I do, I do believe the first game though is Boston versus the Islanders, so it'll be a good game on deck. And Yandel is uh, is stepping in for this week, so if you want to check out Yans, he'll be talking about his hometown team, the Bath, the Bruins. And what were you just saying, RA? After that, one last note that we can wrap. I just want to give a. Uh, a shout out to the the late great guitar guy Jeff Beck. He died last week at seventy eight. Probably one of the best guitarists ever, rock guitarists ever. You might not have heard of him. He was in some bands back in the day. He was in the Yardbirds. He played with Rod Stewart, Ronnie Wood. He was like the guitar player's guitar player. Every professional rock guitarist out there looked up to the guy, loved the guy, and uh, I just want to make his name known for people who didn't. And if they did, they'll probably appreciate it. Jeff Beck, dead at seventy eight. Uh, tremendous How come guitarist. Being that good, how come he wasn't ever in like a more successful band? Um, I think he just kind of did the hired gun thing, the solo thing. He had solo albums, but he oh. put it this way. He came up with Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin. Uh, he played with the Yardbirds, which was a band with Eric Clapton. Uh, I think Ginger Baker, a bunch of awesome rock rock stars, rock bands. Then he played with uh, Rod Stewart and Ronnie Wood before Rod Stewart and Ronnie Wood uh, formed Faces. So he was with and around all these super guitarists. He just didn't have like a main band he was with all the time, but he's very well known, uh, but he didn't have like maybe one or two albums in particular that you'll, that you'd be familiar with. But uh, anybody around rock and roll guitar knows uh, Jeff Beck and uh, huge, huge loss for the rock community, but uh, a beloved guy. Everybody loved the guy had terrific things to say about him. So just wanted to give him a, a shout out. Now that he's no longer with us anymore. Jeff Beck. You guys got any final potting thoughts on no. this episode or what? No, Biz. looking forward to seeing you. We'll be in uh, Del Rey, I believe. And, Commercial should turn out pretty good. We got a lot of stuff on store. We got the um, week after that. We're, we're right back down to Florida. F- or no, two weeks after that, because I'm going skiing end of January. Can't wait to shred those slopes up again. Where are you and going skiing kept, at? Uh, I think we're going to Okemo again, which is a mountain we've been to with my brother and sister-in-law a couple of times. Good spot. We kind of know the layout. They have a they got a great little like daycare place for Wyatt for like seven, eight hours. So we could ski and then Ryder will do the ski school. We'll take them out in the afternoon. And then the week after that, we're going to be down at the all-star game. Got some yeah. special stuff planned for that. And then the week after that, all of us will be out in Scottsdale for Barstool Super Bowl coverage. We're going to be doing a mini golf competition there. We're going to be doing uh trivia, Dozen. live Dozen. trivia. And, and we get to uh, see business, business pad and AZ and spend some time. So crazy busy. I think I'm, I think I'm home only three days a week for the next five weeks, just traveling a ton, but I'm looking forward to it. And like we mentioned before, this, this playoff race is going to be electric. And then once we get to that, that tourney time, it's going to be something else. So show keeps buzzing along. Let us know anything you want us to cover. Uh, We won't listen to you, but we appreciate the feedback (laughs) and I love all you guys. (laughs) That's a wrap. Peace.